Hello, welcome everyone. Talk racing to me with Naomi. We are back covering all the action from Dubai. I'm very pleased to be joined by quite a special guest who knows Maidan race course like the back of his hand. So very excited to have someone on the grounds there. I'm afraid I'm not there myself like last year, but fingers crossed I'll get to go back again uh, for the next couple of renewals because, guys, this is set to be quite the afternoon and evening, of course, highlighted by the $12 million Dubai World Cup. And we have Life is Good, the Pegasus World Cup, as well as Breeders' Cup Mal Victor arriving there to perhaps be crowned the world's best dirt horse. It's yet to be seen, of course, but let me throw it to my guest because he knows a lot more about all the runners on the ground at present than I do. Very pleased to be joined by Chad Summers to once again record our show on the Dubai World Cup. We were pretty, pretty accurate last year, I feel like, Chad. So uh, we're going to try and uh, emulate that and try and, and go one up. I know that you're in Dubai at present. Uh, how are you doing? How's the atmosphere there so far? You know, it's good. I, I think uh, it's a strong, uh, strong group of international runners this year. Uh, the local contingent is probably a little bit stronger than it's been in years past as well, which really makes for kind of a diverse group of races where, you know, last year maybe there were there were heavy favorites that, that won, obviously a few upsets as well. But um, this year, there's three races where there will be heavy favorites, and I think you can make a case where all three of them are beatable. I don't Maybe they'll, they'll win, but I think that, um, you know, if you're going to wake up Saturday morning and, and kind of handicap the races and stuff like that. And you're like, I, I don't want to take four to five on, you know, such and such horse. Then uh, I, I think that there's, it could be a case to me why you feel okay going against them. And, you know, the, the, the cool thing about the Dubai races from an American standpoint is they start at three o'clock here in Dubai, but it's an eight hour time difference from the East coast, 11 hours from the West coast. And uh, 10 hours, I think, from New Mexico. But the, the biggest thing <laughs> is you wake up in the morning time and you're, you, can watch, you can watch these group one, group two races and, and spend all morning, you know, having your breakfast or, or just kind of getting out of bed a lazy Saturday uh, watching the races, which I think is so, so cool and, and, and a lot of fun before uh, the big races in, in the States kick off. Absolutely. And also, there's such a strong international representation there it really does feel like you know you've got the americans the japanese the europeans uh, south america is represented as well that makes it even more fun that in a way just a little bit of like national pride going on as well of course if you're watching from the u.s you are rooting for those u.s runners especially of course with their heavy-handed dubai world cup well the, the one thing that really happens now i mean is is you know i can't stress enough it it, it feels as close to an olympic atmosphere as you possibly can. And like the Breeders' Cup World Championships is obviously the Mecca uh, in the States as far as, you know, their championship. This is this is it. Normally, you know, it decides Eclipse Awards and things of that nature. But but this place being the, the timing of the event uh, and the location and the hospitality and the way they do everything, this is truly the the most international race meet uh, in the year. And I think there's horses from 38 different countries that are going to be represented on the night, which is just absolutely outstanding. And when you're in these barns, because you kind of quarantine with the, the horses you come over from, you're, you're with your like-minded group. So, 
while in America, if you train at Belmont or Laurel or Santa Anita, you might not really get to know um, some of the people that you're you're running against here. You know, I'm from Belmont. I'm installed one. You know, Brittany Russell's in, in from Maryland. She's installed two. And then you got Mark Glatt from California installed three. And and so all of a sudden, you really get to learn and know these people um, even better than you ever would have in the past. You have breakfast with them. You have dinner with them. They have events kind of all week long. We had uh, we had a post position draw. There's a reception party. So they really do it right to where you kind of get to know everybody around you. And then, of course, you get to know some of the competition as well. And uh, you get to see how they train and how they do things. And uh, for me as a trainer, you know, watching how other trainers train, uh, especially from the other countries, is really, really unique. I mean, we're sitting here and our last piece of work for the Americans, for example, uh, Hot Rod Charlie, who's been here for a while, and Country Grammar for Bob Baffert, who shipped over from Saudi Arabia, their last works were on Saturday. That's kind of the norm in America. You work seven days out and, and you go from there. Well, uh, on Wednesday, we saw the Japanese all had their final works for the races. And even today on Thursday, uh, we saw uh, the Russian horse, Azur Coast, who's one of the favorites for uh, the UAE Derby, had his final piece of work. So everybody does things differently. I don't think there's ever a right or wrong answer, but it's always good to learn and, and try and find out as to why they do what they do, which is really cool. No, I, I agree with that completely because I, I remember uh, being there last year and a couple of years before that as well. And, and we're so used in the U.S. to have that final strong piece of work the week before. But like you said, the, I remember the Japanese giving their runners a hit out a mere couple of days before and everyone wondering if that's the right thing to do. But clearly, you know, they've had success in the past. It has worked, but there's such a variety in training practices and, and what works for each individual rudder or trainer, it's super, super interesting and definitely feel like being out there all week allows you to learn from them. But of course, I do think that you uh, have some knowledge yourself. I mean, uh, just a quick freshener for everyone that doesn't know, you won the Golden Shaheen uh, back-to-back wins 2017-2018 uh, with Mind Your Biscuits. So certainly you know the lay of the land as well, don't you, Chad? Yeah, I, I, look, I mean, I, I think that when we decided that we were going to come, and it was probably somewhere between the Breeders' Cup and the Malibu the first year, so November, December. I mean, I'm talking five months ahead of time we decided. And at that point, I sat and I talked to everybody who'd ever been here, whether it had been a, a trainer, a jockey, a, an exercise rider, a, a Darley Flying Start member, whoever whoever the case may be, just whatever I can gleam and learn. Um, I became friendly with the uh, the broadcasters in Dubai, and I was watching their races every week and you know talking to their local blacksmiths and things of that nature. And it really helped us to kind of focus in and design a specific plan um, for what we want to do because it's important that you prepare your horses – to come here, not just when you're here, uh, you'll figure it out. But it, we had a very, very methodical, meticulous plan in mind, uh, whether it be, you know, leaving the barn early and having a half hour walk, uh, just kind of a, a, a hack around the yard at Palm Meadows uh, before going to the track as soon as the track opened, because we knew it's a two mile walk to the track. And so when you're doing that, it, that's new for Americans. Normally the American horses are used to uh, you walk out your barn and 90 seconds later, you're at the gap and you're training away. So things like that, little little uh, idiosyncrasies that we can figure out and that we can find um, really went a long way. And sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes um, you're not as um, 
kind of outgoing and wanting to share information. I, I talked to Todd Pletcher um, earlier this week, and Todd Pletcher said, look, I'm not breezing any of my horses this week. I've done it in the past, and I feel like I've learned over the years that maybe that was counterproductive. So he's somebody, look, Hall of Fame trainer. He's won every race in, in, in the world other than maybe the Dubai World Cup. And he's mm-hmm. saying, look, you know, we've learned maybe we made some mistakes along the way and we've corrected them now, and, and they're going in off some strong gallops rather than, you know, have a blowout once they get here the week of the race. Yeah, and, and that might just be what he thinks works for his team and his runners, the way he trains them at home as well. So uh, it's super interesting to just learn and then listen, of course, see if Top Ledger can get that first ever Dubai World Cup uh, victory. Now, of course, got a very strong, uh, strong chance in there with life is good, but we'll get to that because that's the last race. I want to go over the races in chronological order. So we'll start with the Group 2 Godolphin Mile, which is over the mile. On the dirt course here, that's race number one. Do you have a, a favorite in there? That's a local favorite, actually. On the food uh, train on record, Bupat Seymour, Taj O'Shea uh, slated to ride here. And uh, he was, he kind of jumped up in the Al Maktoum round two challenge against Hot Rod Charlie. He was four wide in the first turn. He moved up to a joint lead. And then he gave Hot Rod Charlie kind of a good run for his money at the top of the lane before just kind of tiring belatedly. But that was kind of quite a jump up, wasn't it? Yeah. So, uh, and that's going to be race two because race one is the Arabian race uh, for everybody's favorite, everybody's favorite uh, Arabians. You never know what they're (laughs) going to do, but uh, yeah, so that'll be race two. But yeah, look, the reason why on the food is the favorite in this race is for two reasons. One, everybody loves hot rod Charlie and he was second to hot rod Charlie. Hot rod Charlie was never going to lose the race, but he, somebody had to run second. It was him. He was clear. He was a clear second. Uh, mm-hmm. and he did give that little challenge at the top of the stretch. And that was at 1900 meters. It was a mile and three sixteenths. This cuts back to a mile distance, which kind of better suits him. He won his last two starts, uh, earlier in the year, as soon as made on open back in December, uh, he won before the carnival started. And then again, he won, uh, at the carnival, that was condition races. It was obviously not a group listed race. Uh, this will be the toughest overall task because last time it was kind of hot rod Charlie and everybody else. Uh, so Mm -hmm. this race is going to be a little bit of a deeper cast, but he does things the right way. And look, they were invited to the World Cup off the second place finish last time in Mac Tumoralan Challenge 2. And, and Bupat and, and the owner, Al Rashid Stables, they got together and look, he's been a good owner. They really want to win a race for him on World Cup night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they sat down and decided that this would be their best shot uh, to claim victory. And Todd O'Shea, who won this race last year um, for the, the CMAR Barn, had a decision to make because that horse that won last year, Secret Ambition, is back again this year, yeah. and yeah. he chose yeah. out in the food. So he kind of showed kind of, you know, what he thinks. He's, he's I think, a 13-time uh, leading jockey here in Dubai. He's, he's one of the best. He's going to run second this year. But uh, he knows what it takes to win on the night. He knows what it takes to win this race. And, uh, and he is selected out in the food, which makes him kind of uh, certainly a hot favorite here in the, in the Godolphin Mile. Yeah, of course. Well, if you start comparing the two, because we might as well, because we're going up against each other. On the food is much younger, four-year-old. And Secret Ambition is getting a little bit long in, in the teeth, of course, trying to defend his crown. But he's only had two starts since 
that race, uh, including running in the Saudi Cup, which proved to be just a very, very intriguing race. Of course, trying to see how that form is going to stack up in here. But plenty of the US runners backing up into the Dubai World Cup. But how do you rate Secret Ambition's chances here? Look, I mean, Secret Ambition's a horse who... He, he's going to try and lead. He's going to try and kind of lead out. Obviously, uh, a good pickup mount for Antonio Frezu, who is going to be uh, champion jockey this year for the first time in his career, the Italian rider uh, who won his first World Cup race last year in the Golden Shaheen. Uh, I, I think they're going to try and break well. He's got a, a, a good post in post three, so he kind of can just kind of go right to it. On the food will be just inside of him, but Al Nafu's not going to give him a breather. There's other horses in here that can certainly be a part of that early pace. And Secret Ambition won last year really on the heels of Taj O'Shea giving him such a great ride. So it's kind of ironic that he's going to be the one that's going to try and take him down now this time. Well, talking about that draw, of course, they're they're jumping from that mouse shoot on the dirt. How important is the draw? It's not as it's not as important as some of the other races. The World Cup, I think, in particular, would be one, uh, and uh, the Alqua Sprint, where the the draw was more important. Because, like you said, when you come out of the shoot, you have such a long ways, uh, really almost eight hundred meters before you're going to get into the turn. So it, it, it's not imperative, but it, you do want to make sure that you're you're drawn well enough that you can see your competition and 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 see where you're going to go. I, I mean. Tuz, for example, got post-14. I know they were very upset about getting post-14, but it, it's really not a big deal. If, you, if, you're, if you're able to jump well and put yourself in the race, uh, you'll have time to, to put yourself in a good position. Who else do you find interesting in, in this race? Do you think that on the food is just going to kind of roll along with it and get her, or is this the type of race you were discussing that it's worthy going against the favorite? No, I, I think this is a race where you would you would spread. Look, I think there's going to be multi race wagers in the American pools, and uh, while Al Nafood has a has a good chance here, there's plenty of others that that I think you need to talk about. Starting with the aforementioned Tuz. Uh, Tuz came in with the uh, the reputation of being Russian Secretariat when he won his first two races in Russia by more than twenty lengths. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does everything the right way other than switch his leads. He's the most brilliant horse that's ever trained at Zabil and Zabil stables for people that don't know. Uh, Satish Simar, who was Bupat's uncle, was the original trainer here in Dubai to have a, the first one to ever have an open stable. Uh, the barn has been the leading trainer again and again and again uh, throughout the, the years here in, in Dubai. And, uh, and, and Tuz, according to reports over there, is the fastest workhorse that has ever been there. His problem, he doesn't switch his leads. And when you're going a mile, you need to switch your leads because at some point you're going to get tired. You can can only run on the same lead for so long before the other ones that switch kind of get that that breath of fresh air and kind of go on with it. Richard Migliori, uh, when he does those Fox Sports shows, I think he does a really kind of accurate job when he describes and he says – uh, listen, it's kind of like when you're you're running to your your flight at the airport and you have your suitcase and then you're able to switch hands uh, into the other hand and then you kind of find that other gear to get to your your gate and, and that's <laughs> what this is like with with Tuz who just doesn't switch and uh, I mean he's been ridden by by a few different people. Taz has ridden him and he loves him in the morning time. Antonio Fresno's been aboard him uh, and William Buick's been aboard him and, and William Buick's going to get the mount back again and mm-hmm. look. He's the first call rider for Godolphin. He should have uh, a, a good day on Saturday. He's he's uh, an unbelievably um, focused jockey that really pays attention. He knows uh, Tuz's weaknesses. So if we can ever get Tuz to switch, 
it would be a chance where this horse at a price, because he's going to be, um, I think, a fairly large price on the night as the third string for, for the Seymour Barn. I, I think he can he can upset the apple card and he can run a really, really big race. So I think you have to you have to look at Tuz for sure. And then some of the other horses I would look at here, uh, Golden Goal for, for Doug Watson. Doug Watson's won this race uh, multiple times in the past. And normally what happens with Doug Watson is these horses come in off a brilliant run three weeks earlier in what in Dubai mm-hmm. they call Super Saturday. But Super yeah. Saturday has kind of been the, the death of Doug Watson because they win out on there and then they bounce. They regress because they're running back so quickly. I love the fact that Golden Goal didn't run well. Now, look, normally you say when you run eighth, beaten seven and a half lengths, what are you talking about? The horse just ran horrible. But yeah. for me, I think that he regressed off the race before and now has a chance to move forward. So I actually like the fact that Golden Goal got beat. And I think he can certainly move forward and run a really big race here for Doug Watson. Another one, people are going to write off because the last race, the prep was so bad. This is one of the odd examples where the prep was bad, but maybe that's good. So Golden Goal would be one that would be interesting. I, I think we have to talk about Great Scott, who comes to us from Saudi Arabia. Uh, Great Scott was a horse last year that people might remember in the Dubai World Cup that as soon as he came on the track, he decided to come off the track. He uh, he threw yeah. the rider uh, <laughs> as soon as the post parade started, and mm-hmm. the outriders couldn't catch him for about seven and a half minutes. Uh, it, it almost looked like a circus. Um, but that was the Dubai World Cup. Since then, he's come back. He runs very, very well in Saudi. In fact, in his last race, uh, he was second, beaten just one length by Emblem Road, who would come back and win, win the, the Saudi, Saudi Cup. Cup. Uh-huh. So, I mean, his form itself is good. Uh, he, 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 the Saudi Arabian horses, because it's so close to Dubai, uh, come over super late. It's just a two-hour flight. He trained for the first time on Thursday morning. And the thing that was amazing to me is normally when he trains – I mean, he looks like he did 12 laps in the swimming pool and he's just dripping wet and it's just he's a very, very difficult horse to 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 ride. But I spoke to the to the rider who got on him this morning and he said he was cool as a cucumber. He did everything the right way. Uh, The the outriders were proud to say that he went well with the pony and didn't uh, didn't misbehave himself. So maybe maybe we have a a year older uh, great Scott for for Prince Faisal and. And maybe Great Scott can run a uh, a better race here. Uh, and I think there's another one that'll be a big price on the night uh, and probably shouldn't be. So a uh, Great Scott, I would also give a, a, an outsider shot to. And uh, look, I mean, we'd be remiss if we didn't at least mention the American horses. So you have uh, the two for Steve Asmussen and Bankett and, and good old Snapper Sinclair. Bankett is a, mm-hmm. a horse that's made uh, a million dollars in New York bread. Um, I don't think that he's in. Tr- I'm in trouble of him breaking uh, Mind Your Biscuits New York bred record for uh, the most earnings. Uh, he hasn't done much since he's been here. Just kind of yeah. taking it easy. He's, he's done a lot of jogging. Um, I, I think his form has kind of been off form of late. Just one win from his last five starts, and that was really just in a in in a weak New York bred allowance race where he beat Danny California. So I, I think he has it up against him. He was he was training at Oaklawn, which. They missed some time because of the weather in, in January and February. And I think it's going to be tough for, for Bankett to kind of uh, to pull the upset here, but does pick up the services of, of jockey Jose Ortiz, who's in to ride Midnight Bourbon. And, and then good old Snapper Sinclair, who's just a, a cool throwback of a horse. You're talking about a, a, a seven-year-old horse 
who has made $1.8 million. He broke his maiden going five and a half furlongs on the grass. Uh, he's running multiple Breeders' Cup races. He's gone, he was on the Derby Trail for a while, running races like the Risen Star uh, as a three-year-old. And he was in this race last year and ran, uh, yep. ran a respectable fourth uh, despite having a, a, a maybe not the best of trips. So uh, they weren't really planning on this. As uh, owner Jeff Bloom told me earlier this week, he said, look, he said, uh, we're prepping for Kentucky Downs. This horse wins the Kentucky Downs every year and win the, the Taurus Mile, I think, the last two years. So uh, it's kind of a, a half joke, half not. So <laughs> they said, Steve Asmussen said, the horse is training super. He, he ran well here last year. Let's take a shot. And he, he takes his trip with him. He, he, he hasn't lost any weight. He's looked fine in the morning time. But he's basically been attached to the pony. And another one that's really just been uh, jogging this week and, and taking it easy. It's it's so weird. Look, Steve Asmussen has really been supportive of Dubai Racing. Obviously, famously won the World Cup with Curlin uh, and has had a lot of success here in the past. Gunrunner was second in the Dubai World Cup. Uh, it's weird to see the Dubai World Cup and Steve's not here. Uh, Scott Blasi hasn't even arrived yet. He'll be here Friday. Uh, Carlos Rosas, who's the uh, the exercise rider assistant trainer, he's been here so many times and knows the lay of the land and knows the way that Steve trains. But still kind of mm-hmm. weird not to see Steve or Scotty kind of uh, here guiding the ship on the on the day-to-day basis. Uh, I think Scotty's supposed to arrive uh, tonight. So uh, just kind of an interesting note. I think Snapper is better than Bankit here, but I think both of them are going to be up against it. Also, Snapper is a bit of a dual-purpose horse, right? They, they they run him kind of on and off dirt turf. Yeah, he he can do he can do anything. I I if there was a race on on glass, I'm pretty sure he'd be competitive in there as well. <laughs> All right. On that note, uh, we shall move on uh, to the next thoroughbred race that is the Dubai Gold Cup over two miles as a group two on the turf. So uh, quite sort of the, the grueling challenger race in here. And if you look at uh, the wagering, we do see that we have uh, quite a heavy favorite uh, in here as well. That's Bonobo, trained by Charlie Appleby, as well as uh, William Buick taking the mound here again, was on him last time. It's going to be his first time going to bow. He's unbeaten. He won uh, the Natal Sheba Trophy on his local ta- debut here. He's kind of well-bred as well, uh, Group two winning Merit Taza Day. She was a mile, uh, mile and a quarter horse, as we'd like to say here. He did very well on his uh, sort of local touchdown on the turf in here. And clearly the market so far thinks he's kind of a lock. Yeah, I mean, and if you ask trainer Charlie Appleby, this would be his kind of his best bet of the uh, of the night. And Charlie's normally pretty good. I, look, if people didn't know about Charlie Appleby before, obviously internationally everybody's known Charlie as uh, as you know, what he's done with these Godolphin strings as a private trainer for, for Sheikh Mohammed and Godolphin. And not only does he win races in Dubai, he's won the, the biggest race in Australia. He's won the biggest races in England. Uh, and just his horses travel and are prepared so, so well. Um, but last year he took kind of a, a swing at New York racing and, or, or American racing. And I'm pretty sure, I think he was like six for eight with five grade one wins, uh, last year, including a couple of, uh, Breeders' Cup wins, obviously famously winning the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf uh, with a non-runner, which was very impressive. I mean, that's that's when you know you're you're a great trainer when you have a horse who's a non-runner and you still win. That's that's when you really know uh, you've made it in this world. Don't get me started on, on what happened there. Of course, very happy for, for trainer Charlie <laughs> Appleby. Not so happy for for the betting uh, betters involved there. But uh, of course, that that could warrant a whole nother uh, podcast. And I know that's been very, very much discussed. But yeah, Manobo, of course, looking to extend his streak in there. But I do think there's a couple of 
horses that are certainly interesting to look at in there. I think right now, second in the betting is the number nine stay foolish. Uh, Christophe Lemaire gets back on board. He won on him uh, in Saudi last time out um, in Riyadh, in the Red Sea turf. That was one of four wins on the night for Christophe uh, Lemaire. It was quite the night for him. And he was able to kind of take them all the way and just ran on very, very strongly, especially late. I mean, there was so much distance between them. Look like Stay Foolish came over well from Japan and just keep, kept on kicking. So, I mean, that was a race where as soon as the race started, you're like, it's over. And, and, and look, as somebody who's watched, you know, thousands and millions of races, you never want to say that. You, 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 when you're at the races and you're next to that guy that goes, it's over, you always get beat, right? Like, that's, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a, a given. But, but stay foolish as soon as he broke. And, and granted, it was 3,000 meters, okay? <laughs> that's how long that race was, which is just slightly shorter than two miles. It's a mile and seven-eighths. And as soon as the race started, you said, it's over. And Christophe yeah. Lemaire was able to dictate the pace and got everything his own way. And when he asked him, he just kind of kicked on and went about it. He looks absolutely tremendous. I've watched him train all week. And uh, there's no reason to think that he shouldn't give Minobo a run for his money. And he's going to have the advantage because he's going to be the one dictating terms. Well, Minobo will be kind of mid-pack, undercover. Uh, and when he swings out, he'll make that big run. Can Christophe Lemaire save enough horse uh, for what is the freight train that is Manobo coming late? That's the question. It's probably this race is probably a two horse race. I don't see anybody else really kind of upsetting the apple card here. Uh, but between the two of them, I think it'll be a really, really good, uh, fun race. And this will be the toughest field that Manobo's ever faced. So, you know, look, there was talk that Manobo would run later on in the card in races like the Dubai Turf or the Shima Classic where the purses are five and six million as opposed to just the one million dollar purse over here. But uh Charlie's looking long term. This is a horse that I think we'll see in Royal Ascot and uh very well would not be surprised if we see Minobo later on for American campaign uh culminating in the Breeders' Cup at Keeneland. That's what they think of Minobo. They think that highly of him. Uh the only other horses I think you have to mention here uh was probably be the three horse Baron Samity. This is a horse who ran in America in the past, uh with John Velasquez. He won uh at Belmont, the first leg of our Belmont Triple Crown on turf. Um, yeah. he, he, he's a nice horse trainer, Joseph O'Brien, son of Aiden O'Brien, uh, up-and-coming young trainer that really has his horses well-prepared for these international meetings. And he's done nothing wrong. He went over to Saudi, had his prep off the, the four-month layoff, and ran fourth behind State Foolish. I can see him moving forward, um, but he's going to have to move forward big time to upset the big two. I, I agree. I, I did use Baron Samity underneath just for the sake of that. He really started picking it up two furlongs out, really started rolling late, making me think that when he gets back to that two mile distance and with that prep run under his belt, he could certainly improve a couple of points. Now, is that enough to stop the likes or get to stay foolish or stop, you know, Manobo late? Not sure. But then again, Joseph O'Brien, you don't really want to uh, sit on any of his runners when, you know, when they're well prepped and ready to fire. Next race uh, that we want to discuss here uh, is the Group 1 Alquaz Sprint. That is six furlongs on the turf. And you were already mentioning this. Draw is actually very important here, right? Because they tend to split up and often, or I would say often, we've seen them go towards the stand side rail. 
Yeah, for some reason, uh, all year long, and even last year when Extravagant Kid was able to win for Brandon Walsh, it was up the stand side. Uh, in talking to Jockey William Buick, he said, you know, normally it's just the best horse wins and the best horse happens to be drawn outside. For, take that forever you want. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, look, there has been a, there has been a noticeable bias, not just uh, on Super Saturday, which we'll talk about in a second with Man of Promise, but uh, throughout the meet, even in, on the, uh, the races that are on the undercard, which would be like their, their – off meets, not the carnival meets, but the, you know they run two days a week sometimes in in, in Dubai, and even those races, the, the stand side was the popular place to be. And um, fortunately or unfortunately enough, uh, most of the favorites have been drawn outside on the stand side, so you might as well start there. No, exactly. I mean, if you look at the draw right now, of course, currently in the betting, man of promise drawn high gate number twelve, like you highlighted. He's coming here. This is going to be a sec. Oh, he's had two starts since placing eighth in this race last year, but it seems like he's turned an entirely new leaf or chapter. Even uh, he sat Handley behind the leaders uh, last time out and just kind of ran on with ease uh, in the local prep here. Do you think he's going to continue to improve? And, and have we just kind of seen a new version of Man of Promise now as a five-year-old? Listen, Man of Promise is either the greatest horse in the world right now or comes back down to earth because his victory <laughs> last time out on Super Saturday, was even more impressive than life is good in the Pegasus. If you watch that race, I mean, it literally looks like somebody took a firecracker and the horse just absolutely exploded. I mean, you're talking about a turf sprint, which is a six furlong straightaway, okay? Mm -hmm. Those races are decided by a neck, a nose, a half length, at most a length. Right, they're all they're all well bunched and they're right with each other, especially in international racing where everybody runs undercover. And yet, he won by four and three quarter lengths, and probably could have won by more. It's 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 crazy. I'm gonna take a stand against him. I think that this was this was his best day was that day. It's back right. in three weeks. I know with turf sprinters you don't have to do much. They've just played with him in the barn for the last three weeks, and, and William Buick does decide to stick with him uh, among the three choices he had for the the Charlie Appleby barn. And I do think Charlie Appleby wins, but I don't think it's Man of Promise. I think that uh, Creative Force, who at the start of the year would be the heavy favorite for this race. Um, mm -hmm. He hasn't run, but he hasn't run by design. This is what Charlie Appleby does. He has a long year campaign for him, obviously, um, with the the races at Royal Ascot, the King Stand, and, and things, races like that, uh, similar to what he did with Blue Point. Creative Force is a proper Group 1 winner. He won the Group 1 uh, in Ascot in October, and, and, and he is yeah, the, the horse to beat. And I, I just don't understand why, you know, look, it's a lot of times, and we fall for this in horse racing all the time. We fall for this, especially we talk about right now, the der the Derby trail, right? There's a new favorite in the Kentucky Derby after every week because whoever wins the prep race is the new favorite, right? Mm -hmm. oh, oh, this one wins, then he's the new favorite. As a handicapper, you have to see the bigger picture. You have to see how things play out. Don't fall in love with one race. Look at the body of work. And yes, Man of Promise's last two races have been good. He has to repeat that again this time. And I don't know that he's going to be able to do that. So I'm going to take a little stand against him. I'm going to go with Creative Force here, who, like I said, he's already proven it. He did it against 20 horses last time. He prepared for this quietly uh, in Newmarket. He's a little bit of a quirky horse. So they, they kept him home and, and did things with him. Uh, Charlie Appleby 
knows how to win this race. He's won it twice before. Uh, I think this will be time number three. And look, for James Doyle to pick up this mount now with, with Buick going to Man of Promise, he's not going to complain about it. He loves this horse. He actually rides him out in the morning time uh, a lot back home. So uh, he's excited about the opportunity to ride creative force. And I think he's the one um, that that is the most likely winner, even though Man of Promise is going to be kind of the heavy favorite. But this is a wide, wide open race. I do have a question with creative force. Do you think he is best when there's a tiny bit of moisture in the ground? And, and how is the turf shaping up at present? So the, the turf right now is actually really, it's it's really hard. And I'm not sure why. And then there's been a lot of water on it. So they've been kind of softening it up a little bit. But to, to me, I don't think it's going to matter for creative force. His best race was on the good to soft ground at Ascot. But I mean, he's a son of Dubawi. Dubawi seemed like they run on anything, and he's run he's run well before on on firmer surfaces as well. So I, I'm not too too concerned about that with him. Okay, well that that's good to hear because that was one of my questions with him. Do you have to mention uh, the American runner in here, the veteran six year old Kazakh Creed? He's drawn high as well. Gets Louis Sayers uh, back on board. I thought he ran a huge race uh, in Riyadh he galloped out in front of the winner the group two victor song line of course he's won the grade one Japer stakes at Belmont last year I thought Louis size suits him well kind of stronger rider really puts him in gets him going he had a small break over the winter like I said I was very impressed with his efforts in Riyadh and, and I'm hoping that he can still pick up a piece here as well yeah, he's a very live contender. Look, the Americans won this race last year with Extravagant Kid. They've run second uh, in years past with Belvoir Bay and Long on Value for the Belmont Barn. Castle Creed was a horse, and, and I feel bad about this. I never really gave him enough respect when I watched him run before. When he was in America, he was, you know, you know, was a miler, and then they cut him back a little bit to the Jiper, and he ran very well. I, but I still never really gave him enough credit. When he ran that race in Saudi the other day, in the in the in the turf sprint, it was yeah, it was remarkable. Turf his, sprint. his his turn of foot in that race was really breathtaking. And then I went back mm-hmm. and I watched some of his previous races. Uh, I watched the Jiper. I watched some of his races up in Saratoga, and he has that same turn of foot. Which to me, when you're in a straightaway, you need to be able to click on and click off because that race is going to be run in two different ways. They're gonna they're gonna start out a little bit slower, even though it's only a sprint. And then they're going to fly home. And normally the Americans will get outpaced and outfooted on the way home. But Castle Creed, I've been impressed by this horse. And I think he can turn on when he needs to turn on. He, he, he looked really, really well this morning. Uh, he, again, another horse they haven't done much with, but they don't need to do much with. And uh, I, I, I can really see him winning this race. Uh, and, and trying to beat the the blue Godolphin horses. Ultimately, I'm going to go with Creative Force, but I would not be surprised at all if, if Castle Creed was able to pull off the uh, the small upset. Yeah, he he's my little price play in there. He's currently twelve to one, and I, I I agree with you. I thought his turn of foot was really really strong. And look, there's a couple of other horses with a lot of late speed to beat, but Castle Creed really seems to be rounding rounding out in form again and uh, let's hope that Louis size can get his nose in front and, and time it to perfection I'd love for you know the old campaigner to, to get the win uh, in here I think it's important to note too because people don't give enough credit to this Louis size has quickly really become a big money big game rider right look 
mm-hmm. with everything that happened with maximum security, what gets lost in there is Luis Saez gave him a great ride to win the race in Saudi last year. Uh, with Mystic Guide, he was able to give a remarkable ride and win the race with Mystic Guide. Uh, we saw all the all the rides that he gave to Essential Quality over the year last year. Luis Saez, when the money's on the line, is a guy you want on your back. So he's not going to have any fear of the moment at all. And that's certainly something uh, that's good when you're in a race like this where, you know, tactics and form and everything, even though it's a straightaway, it, it is going to be so, so important. But there is just a couple of uh, other horses you got to mention just quickly. Uh, Amarada Anna, who got beat 17 and a half lengths last time by Mana Promise. Uh, that was his first start of the year. Very much looked like a prep. I would expect him to run a much better race, uh, break better, be closer, uh, and hold on through the lane better. He ran very well in the Breeders' Cup. Uh, against Golden Powell last year. And, and a horse at a, at a price, uh, Bernil, uh, an Irish-bred horse, can't train by himself, needs to go in company every day, has a, has a lead out of a horse who didn't qualify uh, for the Alquaz that kind of takes him around. But I watched a horse gallop this morning, and, and it could just be these Loop de Vegas, they have a lovely way of going. But, man, what a stride on, on Bernil. And uh, he'll be a price for Christoph Sulemian. Uh, and could maybe pick up a, a small share late. Yeah, I, w- I was actually going to ask you about Emirati Anna. Of course, last year is a Sprint Cup winner at Haydock, but hasn't really found that form back yet. Uh, obviously, only one race so far this year. So you feel like, you know, he's starting to, to look good again and, and perhaps could jump up as well? Yeah, and the thing that was really interesting is in talking to Char- Charlie Appleby, uh, Charlie Appleby specifically mentioned Amarada Anna by name uh, when talking about – he talked about his three horses and Amarada Anna. He didn't talk about anybody else in the race. So, <laughs> look, Charlie pays attention, and he certainly, ha- I think, has a lot of respect for, for, for Kevin Ryan and the connections. And mm-hmm. I, I, I think, look, if you watch the last race, it, it really looks like uh, very much a prep. It, you wish that the horse would run yeah. a little better, but uh, as a trainer, I've been there before where – you know what the, the day is, right? And you're preparing for the day, and you just have to get the run in. Uh, and you're not going to beat him up. You're not going to abuse him. Look, on Andrea Zaney rides him every time, so he knows what he has underneath him. He knows what the the goal was and the plan was. And you know, once once he wasn't going to win, it looks like they just kind of protected him. And I like the fact that look, if he wasn't right, they wouldn't be in this race. Okay, so they like that. They seem like he's moved mm-hmm. forward since then. And, and, and I think he can certainly uh, pick up a big share. But again, needs the thing with him, the real key with him is he needs to he needs to hit the break because he needs to be close enough. His turn of foot isn't as good as some of these others, but he should be close enough early on where he's more of a staying six furlong straightaway horse where the other ones will be coming to get him. Yeah, but I wanted to actually before we move on because I was already going to move on to two to three year olds. But there's another American runner in here. Get smoking for trainer Mark Cassie, who's cutting back quite sharply to the sprinting distance. Uh, last scene was at Tampa Bay, going a mile and sixteen on the turf, where he went to the lead and just got best. Well, kind of had to give in uh, belatedly. Unknown factor in here. What do you think of him? Uh, I think it's cool. I, I look. Uh, it was purchased privately uh, over the winter time by a you know four group partnership led by Iron Horse Racing and Harlan Malter, who uh, famously has uh, Pucero, a horse that he traveled to Royal Ascot and is now supporting at at Stud. And uh, he's certainly uh, a sporting guy that likes to take chances in in international races. So you know, could this be a, a prep to maybe seeing him at Ascot? You know, down the road certainly. 
it, it is an unknown. The thing that's really cool about Get Smoking is he's just a trier. He's a cool dude. He's a laid back horse, but he lays it all on the line every time he runs. Um, you know, and and for his sire, Get Stormy, to have just passed away, uh, it would be quite the legacy if uh, if Get Smoking can get the job done here on Saturday. Uh, the question is, is he fast enough cutting back from the the mile to the six? Is he fast enough to make the lead and, and, and see it through? I I do know if he's prominently paced. He's going to give Jockey Flavian Pratt all he has because he 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 tries really hard. He's not the biggest horse in the world, but he lays it all on the line every time he goes out there. So uh, it, he's a fun horse to root for. Uh, and if you want to put a couple of bucks and uh, you know play him across the board, take a shot. Yeah, definitely, definitely caught my attention just because of the fact that he's changing it up so much. And I thought it was really interesting as well that Flavian Pratt uh, takes the ride. Let's start by moving on to the UAE Derby for the three-year-olds in here, of course, uh, qualifying points for the Kentucky Derby, 1900 meter on the dirt. It's a group two million dollars uh, on the line in here. Certainly a couple of interesting horses. And of course, you're looking at perhaps horses that want to move up and, and move over to the United States to compete in the Kentucky Derby. But it hasn't been a race that has produced any sort of top three finishes in the Kentucky Derby just yet, has it? Uh, it hasn't, but it's 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 on the precipice. And look, I mean, we have a strong group of of Derby hopefuls right now, and, and there's going to be a large outcry from people who are going to be 22 and 23 on the list because there are horses here that if they earn some points um, have made it known that their desire is to go on to the Kentucky Derby, uh, led by uh, Sakufu for Japan. Uh, if he's one, two, he plans on moving forward. Obviously, with Darley, with Combustion, uh, they would love nothing more than to, to have another horse represent them. They don't really have uh, any horses on the Derby Trail right now back in America. Uh, ben Duke, another one, a son of Gunrunner. Gunrunner has about 38,000 uh, horses on the Kentucky Derby Trail right now in America. So uh, he would be an interesting one to maybe uh, ship over. And, and, of course, some of the other Americans. Get back Goldie, Doug O'Neill, two-time winner of the Kentucky Derby and gilded age for Bill Mott would both certainly move forward as well. So this is a race that if you're, if you're playing along and watching your Kentucky Derby futures, you, you have to look at it, not just from handicapping this race, but looking forward to the first Saturday of May. And, and talking about the race, the possible race setup, I, I keep asking you, of course, about the layout and the importance of the draw. I do believe that they, they start just before the bend, right? So you do want to get position early. Yeah, this this race, I think, is a little bit uh, of an important race for the break. And that's going to start uh, with the Bob Baffert trained Pinehurst, who... who won out last time he won the Saudi cup shipping out there. This was their plan was if you ran well in the Saudi cup or Saudi Derby, I'm sorry to, to then go on to the UAE Derby. And and he won on a track that assistant trainer, Jimmy Barnes said in Saudi was a tiring track for the front runners. Obviously in the Saudi cup, we saw emblem road come from absolutely nowhere and get up and win. And uh, so they were impressed at the fact that Pinehurst was able to hold on on what was a tiring taxing course they feel like mm -hmm. this track plays a little bit more conducive to front runners, and, and they're excited about Pinehurst, and they're not as concerned about the stretch out as maybe me or you or some of the other people, because it looked to me like Pinehurst was screaming for the line, uh, and that race last time was just a mile. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I felt like he was certainly getting very tired, and it took all he had to hold off uh, Sakifu, who, of course, is uh, re-opposing early here, and really came running late. It kind of looked like he was 
outpaced early in the Saudi Derby, but then kind of found a, a second win. Do you think that this added distance is hence just going to make him a touch better? Sakifu? Yeah. Yeah, look, I, I mean, the Japanese certainly think so. And, you know, who's to argue with them with the, the success that they've had uh, of late? Obviously, the two wins in the Breeders' Cup, the four wins in Saudi Arabia. Uh, on these international stages, they've been very live. I, I'm still kind of tentative. I, I don't think that Sakifu is even the best of the Japanese contingency. Uh, I'm going to go with combustion on on that one mm-hmm. as far as a, then there's a lot of Japanese horses in this race. Uh, Sakifu's fine. I think he'll run a, he can give a good effort of himself, but I, I don't think that he is uh, he's maybe the most likely winner here. Combustion is very, very interesting horse because, and he got beat by Sakifu back in November last year. Combustion is a homebred Japanese homebred for Gnaffin Stables, uh, son of discreet cat. Um, here's the thing with him that's really interesting. So I was telling you earlier in the show how the Japanese all had their final blowouts on Wednesday. So uh, Jockey mm-hmm. William Buick is going to ride him for the first time. He's the first call rider for Godolphin. It makes sense as to why he picks up the mount here on combustion. So he got on for the first time on Wednesday, and they said, all right, let's work a half mile, and uh, who are we going to go company with? And they said, oh, I got it. We'll go in company with Chua Wizard. Well, <coughs> Chua Wizard is the, the runner-up from the the Dubai World Cup last year and is supposedly in, the, in with the chance here this year, and combustion outworked Chua Wizard. He outworked him, he outgalloped him out, and you're like, man, this horse is okay. Now, the question (laughs) with combustion, because obviously the talent is there. We saw it on hand on on Wednesday. The the Mm -hmm. question with combustion, he's not built like a horse that wants to run a mile in 316s. He's very much kind of a sprintery build to him. He's not the biggest, he's not the longest or the stretchiest horse in the world. Um, Can he see out the distance is going to be the only question, but... Uh, from a talent perspective, uh, he needs to be looked at long and hard because he was very ultra impressive uh, the first time William Buick sat on him on Wednesday. And, and, and I think, look, we've, we've seen this before, uh, horses who thrive uh, here in the desert, and Combustion certainly would fit that mold as a horse who's really caught our eye so far this week. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that he looks a little bit more like a sprinter because if you look at his campaign, they started him out over seven furlongs and just moved him up to a mile. So they must have always kind of thought that he was better going just a touch longer than what you would normally, you know, see horses start out for like six, six furlongs or below. Well, I think the the thing with the Japanese racing is there's not as many dirt spots as there is turf spots. There's a lot more turf racing than than dirt. So when you the opportunities arise for the two-year-olds, you, you kind of have to take it. And whatever those distances may be, that's where you end up with. The Japanese um, schedule isn't like you'd see in America where uh, there's a six-furlong race every other day or every other week. So mm-hmm. that I think that kind of plays into it. Most of the Japanese races, they, they enjoy the long-distance uh, kind of races, and, and that's why you see kind of the seven-eighths-mile races uh, for combustion, but you also see that he's not yet tried to race longer than a mile. So maybe in the back of their minds, uh, they're a little bit concerned about the distance as well. But uh, certainly from a talent perspective, uh, that ability is there. I think a couple other horses we have to mention, uh, the number five, Ben Dug, who's a son of Gunrunner, uh, the only Gunrunner that's been in Dubai. If you go back and watch his last race, which was on Super Saturday three weeks ago, it was mm-hmm. the prep for this race. 
he battled early on. It was relatively a slow pace. They didn't go very fast, but it was a tiring track that day. He put away the other horse and was in front by about five turning for home and got lost. So he's a three-year-old who's only run three times. And I think the experience got to him. People think he got leg weary and maybe he got a little leg weary, but to me, he looked like a horse who was lost out there. And okay. the fact that there's horses like Pinehurst in this race is the best thing for Ben Drew because Pinehurst will certainly entertain him on the front end for at least the first mile. And then at that point, the challenger will come and Ben Drew, I don't think would ever kind of open up by many lengths. And I think he's a, he's a really, really cool horse that has a bright future in front of him. And, and I think he's going to come on from that last race. So uh, Ben Duke is a horse that really uh, a quality horse. He was beaten by another horse in this race, Quality Boone, who's uh, a four-year-old, but three-year-old technically because he's a, a Southern Hemisphere horse from Uruguay. Um, and I think he's going to run well. But Ben Duke, I think, is going to improve off of that last race. Uh, and I actually do like a Southern Hemisphere horse as my top pick. And uh, it's going to be a little bit one of a surprise because Quality Boone is the one that's going to be kind of more of the post-time favorite. I think he'll be the, the third mm -hmm. or fourth choice. Uh, and and trainer Antonio Centra is an absolute pro and gentleman. Uh, he was here last year with El Patriota. He said, look, I learned a lot from last year to this year um, in how to prepare a horse. Last year, El Patriota was kind of going the other way. He kind of peaked early on in the meet. Whereas uh, this horse, Quality Boone, looks like he's continuing to accelerate and get better. Uh, but the horse that I'm going to pick here is going to be the number two horse at a price, and that's Kiefer. Uh, I think this is kind of our upset of the uh, of the weekend. Uh, we, we got it right last year. We'll see if we get it right this year. He's a horse who's actually been sold to Hong Kong interest. So look for this horse to actually okay. move on to Hong Kong after this meet's over. The, unfortunately, he'll have to be gelded first, which is... Uh, uh, Rest in peace to you, Kiefer. I'm sorry, um, but uh, <laughs> he he's currently uh, he he's currently a cult. This horse trains really really well. I I think he's had three races this year, and they've been three of the most confusing, perplexing rides I've seen in my life. Unfortunately, uh, Hector Lazo is his normal rider and is going to stay aboard as well. I wish maybe there'd be a little change, but his first start when he came to Maidan. It looked very much like a prep to set up the rest of the year. He broke okay. He was kind of settled in in the back. He made this nice, nice move, and actually he held off Quality Boone in the race and ran second. And you're like, okay, this horse has a promising future. He goes and he runs in the next prep race, and he's just like out the. He's like in the middle in no man's land, and and Hector Lazo makes a a, a middle move with six furlongs to go uh, running into nowhere. And, and he kind of flattened out a little bit. Uh, he still managed to run uh, second on that day. And it was despite the effort, it wasn't because of the ride. So you're like, okay, this horse is, he's, he's coming about the right way. He went to Saudi Arabia and he was not ready for the start. He misses the break. By three, mm -hmm. by by a good three strides, he's out the back door. Lost all chance at that day. Pinehurst was able to kind of set the fractions he did. But the thing that I really liked about that race, and it was one of those sneaky good races, is he took the kickback with no problem. He was able to gain ground. He was last early on in a field of fourteen. He ended up finishing sixth and galloping out well. And I think if he moves forward from that race, he's trained really well in the morning time. I think this can be a huge, huge upset uh, for the son of Drosselmeyer. 
Uh, I mean, very much an American pedigree. He's by Drosselmeyer out of a macho uno mare, even though he's a Brazilian bred. Uh, but under under uh, Ricardo Colombo, who's done a good job as, as a trainer here, he's he's out first set, 5 o'clock in the morning every day. Uh, I like what I've seen from him. And I think Kiefer uh, can pull the upset, which would be comforting for everybody in America because he's not eligible for the 100-point victory. So he would not be uh, one to move forward to the Derby. Right. Well, and, and you were mentioning that race too back in the UA 2000 Guineas where he actually bested quality Boone and Ben Duke. So if you like them even a little bit, he's at least showed still capable of besting them as well as I do feel like uh, be good to move along to the next race here, which is the Dubai Golden Shaheen Group 1 over six furlongs, 2 million US dollars there. And uh, a couple of American horses that we kind of have to start with, right? We have Dr. Scheibel from our Glad One Red Craig is Brittany Russell, Drain the Clock, Safi Joseph Jr., strong, you know, American contingent trying to grab their share of the prize money. America's won this race 14 of the 25 years so far, um, including the last four years. Um, I can say that with pride. Uh, <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, so the American, the American horses here are a unique and interesting group. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, last year when Zenden won, maybe his form wasn't as strong as some of the others, and it was a little bit of a surprise. Obviously, we knew how good he was doing going into the race, and he kind of just every day, he, he just was touting himself on the track. These three American horses have not done the same. So while their credentials might be better, and we'll start with Dr. Scheibel. Uh, Dr. Scheibel has never left this California before. Okay, he's had nine lifetime starts. He's been off the board just once, but he's never left the state of California. His Breeders' Cup sprint was electric. Uh, the Santa Anita sprint, the race before when the rain broke and he was able to win by uh, by three lengths was ultra impressive as well. And you can make an excuse for the Malibu in his last start being that it was so bad because maybe he was under the weather. Maybe he had a, a long campaign and maybe, oh yeah, he ran against Flightline, who when right is the best horse in the country or maybe the world. So I can forgive the Malibu performance. My concern with Dr. Scheibel is he hasn't run since there. There's no prep. Um, trainer Mark Glatt does a good job, but he's never campaigned an international horse before. And mm-hmm. there's a lot to it about preparation. This horse came over. He was very warm uh, when he trained. He breezed the other day. Uh, he went three furlongs in about 36 and three, which was a fast time on this track. Antonio Frezu was aboard, uh, who actually, ironically, uh, rode Zenden last year. Flavian Pratt will reunite with Dr. Shivel on the night. Uh, but he didn't seem like he was really loving and 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 getting over the track as well as say a a, a, a Zenden or a mind your biscuits were in the past I, I haven't really been yeah. ultra impressed with Dr. Shivel and I know he'll be the favorite but I'm gonna try and beat him uh drain the clock look he had almost a, an eerie uh finish in when he ran second in the Gulfstream Park sprint last time out that was the same race uh that I used for mind your biscuits who also got beat a neck uh, we got beat by unified uh in that race and then came on and and was much the best here. Train the clock is not an easy horse to train. He uh, he's a very difficult horse. He famously used to you know be equipped with a run out bid and uh, would train in, in the morning time, kind of in 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 darkness. Um, Sarah Safer, the assistant for for Safi Joseph, has been doing a good job getting on him and keeping him quiet. He's another one though. Came over here the first few days, very very warm and washy. He's been better the last few days, um, mm-hmm. but again, not one where I sat there and I was like. 
man, this is the winner of the of the Golden Shaheen. I, I he hasn't really super super impressed me uh, from that end. Uh, and the third of the American horses here. Uh, wonder where Craig is. Well, if you're wondering, uh, Craig the horse is here in Dubai. Craig the human, not so much. But uh, <laughs> he's a cool horse. Obviously, you're very familiar with him. Uh, Brittany Russell, up-and-coming trainer, uh, deserves to be in here. She actually used to ride out Mind Your Biscuits for me uh, and actually almost came to Dubai with me in, in 2017 uh, to ride Mind Your Biscuits in the morning time. So, you know, so happy for her to, to, to have her first international runner here. Uh, he's a quick horse. He's a fast horse. I can definitely see him, you know, breaking and being certainly towards the lead. Uh, breaking from outside the other speed in post 11, I think, will play to his advantage because uh, Louis Saez will be able to see how everybody else broke and, and kind of adjust on the fly from there. Uh, Brittany said that she, what he did in the fire plug last time uh, off of kind of light training really, really impressed her to take a shot and take on the big boys in a grade one over here. And, and she likes the fact that. He seems like he's enjoying himself. She got here uh, on Wednesday. Today, on Thursday, she kind of took him out of the barn and he went for a walk. And she said he was strutting his stuff, walking around like I'm the man. And she said, that's what I like to see. That's who Craig is. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that he traveled over well, that, that she's happy with him. Because he got DQ'd in the grade three to Francis Dash. Ended up being Jalen Journey, Steve Asmussen's run that got basically ended up by default winning the race. That would have been her first graded stakes victory now Wonder Craig has still got her first graded stakes victory in the bold ruler in um, New York but this horse clearly you know aside from horses like she's had like hello beautiful who's done terrific on the circuit this horse is kind of taking her to places like you said that she's never been before which is incredibly cool and I, I couldn't be more proud of, of how hard she worked and and how well she's done on the mid-Atlantic circuit and of course I know that everyone in Maryland is going to be rooting for Wonder Where Craig is. You know, everyone is hoping that she's going to do well with that runner here. And I think he's very, very live, but he will have to peak on the day. And, and that's, of course, something that can be quite tricky, right? But you're saying he's getting over the ground well, because when you look at the maiden dirt course, some horses love it and some horses, they don't seem to really grab it as much, do they? Yeah, no, he he's been he's been okay. I think he can certainly uh, be competitive, and if he's able to to make the lead, I, I think he 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 has a good shot to to certainly see out the top three. But uh, not going to be my top pick here. I'm actually going to go with a uh, with a local uh, with the number Ooh. eight horse Maras. Um, it's been a long time since the local horses won, um, but I think probably you go back to to <laughs> Ronaldo the Wizard and Krypton Factor. Uh, would be the last two, you know, kind of local horses to get the job done. But uh, Maras is a proper horse. I like how he's training in the morning time. Um, he is going to hopefully have an international campaign, speaking with the owners uh, this week, you know, about maybe bringing him over to a America if he were to run well on, on the night. And they're very, seem like they're, they're prone to do such a thing. His two prep races in Maidan have been perfect. He's done everything the right way. Jockey Antonio Frezu won this race last year uh, and is going to have to kind of give the ride of his life to get this job done. But I do think that Maras, uh, at a little bit of a price, can pull the upset here and win one for the locals. 
Wow. Oh, definitely really interesting. I mean, he's indeed the local representative, Al Shandai, a sprint winner. And let me check what kind of price we're going to... He is being noticed in the market, but still found him at about 8 to 1, which definitely makes him not, very enticing. Not the, not the 50 to 1 we got last year. <laughs> no, no, no. I think... <laughs> That was quite that was quite the feat. Zenden absolutely ran them off the feet as well. The wide draw and just coming over like he did was absolutely impeccable. And Antonio Frazo did a very, very good job giving him an aggressive ride like he did. So I'm assuming that's gonna be the same here with Morales, right? Just gonna go to the front and, and try and and keep going basically I, i'm kind of hoping that he doesn't i want him to sit just off of wonder where craig is i think craig is fast enough to lead early um mm-hmm. and hopefully he can just kind of sit in a stalking position uh, i can see dr shivel maybe just breaking a little bit behind although he could be fresh not having run since december i just i haven't seen him really grabbing a hold of the track and then drain the clock ira ortiz is going to be aggressive he's going to try and maybe say, send him early so and, I, I, yeah. I, can, I i wouldn't necessarily think that morass needs needs to lead to win this race i think he can lay second or third and see what happens with craig and drain the clock and and work out a good trip but i, I think kind of quietly under the radar uh you know uh I, I i look the horse trains here every day he's stable that oasis stable is trained he trains at Maidan. He's not coming in from a, a different yard. He's here all the time. And I, I think it would be quite a story if Moras was able to pull this upset off. Absolutely. But like quickly still talking about the pace just out of sheer interest. Because Drain the Clock is drawn on the like sort of on the inset, right? Gate number three. Moras is gate number eight. Wonder where Craig is gate number eleven. Do you not think he's gonna kinda get sandwiched by speed? No. No, I I think it, it you only get sandwiched by speed if you all, all commit to it. If you don't all commit to it, you're not going to get sandwiched by speed. Drain the clock needs to kind of get out of there and get himself in position. And we've seen um, Irad being the aggressive jockey that he is. And Luis Ayas is such a good gate rider. I, I, I think the two of them just kind of outfoot Miraz early. Um, I, I, Antonio, as much as he made the lead and set the track record last year, uh, isn't known for you know popping them out of the gate with great ferocity. So I, I think the two of them can kind of clear off and he can sit sit in a good stock position in third. You know, the, the the real unknown is is good effort because good effort used to have this blinding speed. I remember last year getting to fights with people in Dubai telling me that good effort will be in front by five, which I, I was very confident he would not be in front of Sendon. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, since then he came to America, he kind of broke slow, didn't run very well that day back in October. Seems to have refound himself a little bit. Uh, but with Jim Crowley aboard, I, I don't necessarily think that he's fast enough to make the lead. But uh, if he kind of refines his form from Super Saturday last year, maybe good effort can be part of that early pace as well. But I, I think it's drained the clock. And I think, it, you know, Craig coming from the outside uh, with Louis Saez will have the jump on him. I think Craig kind of does make the early lead and can clear um, if Louis Saez so chooses. Yeah, before we move on to Dubai turf, quick sort of courtesy mention, what do you think of Switzerland? He won two starts back uh, in the Algorhut sprint, was campaigned stateside quite a long time ago, 2019, uh, I think it was. Steve Asmussen had it, Doug Watson had him, and he's now uh, at the CMAR stable with Bubat CMAR, kind of seemingly coming back into form two, is now an eight-year-old. You, I mean, you go the Wayback Machine, he was actually originally trained by Chad Brown. Uh, so he's certainly, he was indeed. He, he's, well, he's, he's been around he's, the block. <laughs> he's been around the block, but he's been in a lot of fancy hotels, right? Like along, along the way, and and certainly uh, the the 
the Seymour Barn is another one. I mean, just a fantastic facility. I've had a chance to go out there uh, all the time. I have a share in a horse that actually ran last week with uh, with Poopot. So uh, they do a great job. Uh, he deserves to be in this race. His prep two back uh, when he ran in the carnival. And, and this was always their plan. It was a three-race campaign. What was to mm-hmm. run him in January, keep him fresh, go to Saudi, and then come here. The Saudi race was a little bit of a disappointment. But again, I don't think he took to that track. Um that track was different than it's been in years past. It was very, very deep and heavy for some reason. And because of that, some of the horses just didn't really take a hold of it. Switzerland would be an example of that where he just seemed like he struggled. He was in good position early, good tactical uh, chasing position early, uh, but wasn't able to kind of pick it up when, when the racing mattered most. And unfortunately here, I just think he's going to be up against it against horses that are a little bit better than him, a notch or two better than him. But, um, I, I think it'd be a good story if he were to win. I just, I think that the others are a little bit better. Yeah. I mean, he, he is getting old. I, I think, uh, in 2018, he won the, uh, the Francis Dash actually graded stakes and as well as the Maryland sprint at Pimlico. So clearly he's, uh, you know, he's been hanging around for a while, but I thought I'd give him mention just Listen, the global not, trotting runner that he is. Not just Switzerland, you know, also in this race, you talk about a, a name from the past is the 2019 Preakness stakes runner up Everfast, who's cutting back in distance. He's been running 2000 meters, 1900. So I've been going a mile and a quarter mile and three sixteenths. He cuts back to the six for a long distance uh as they try to to qualify and enter in a race and the golden sheen was was not coming up with a full field but uh we see everfast come here and I mean, uh he yeah, did run seven furlongs four years ago so he has that going for him he's a couple of throwback runners uh, in here for sure as we move on uh, to do the, the dubai turf which are mile and an eighth uh, the distance here on the turf of course uh, I can't give you the post time because I'm looking at the um, racing post post time, which is 3.20, which I do believe is, what, four or five hours So it'll, it'll, be, of... it'll be 7.20 um, Dubai time, which it's eight That's hours it. back. So it'll be 11.20 uh, in the morning on the East Coast. Thank you for helping me and do this math. 10.20 in, <laughs> 10, in Chicago. Well, there you go. So Dubai... <laughs> Dubai turf uh, got a couple of interesting runners in here. Japanese are represented. Of course, we uh, we have uh, John and Thady Gosson as well uh, in here with Lord North trying to defend his title. Last year's Dubai turf winner. Use. Let's start with him because I'm kind of intrigued to see how he lines up in here. We, you know, he won last year. Has had one race since. Just a step up here to probably get some sharpness into him. Wasn't disgraced at all on a seasonal reappearance. How is he looking on track? So he's like he was like kind of the the mystery here because he was so impressive looking last year when he trained. We were so confident that he was going to run a huge race because he was doing so so good. Um, and obviously they won with him and Mishrif, uh both in back to back races. Mm-hmm. He disappeared after that race, and nobody knows where or why or what happened to him. Uh, Thady Gasson was asked specifically about that the other day and was kind of. Uh, mum about it didn't really give a specific reason as to why he went to the bench uh the prep was okay look he was originally supposed to go to saudi they ended up staying home and ran him in an all-weather prep race instead uh where he was second best he could not keep up with alan cure who's a nice horse in his own right who we're going to talk about later on but I, i i think to me i haven't liked what i've seen from him 
on track work this week. He's not the same horse that he was last year. Last year, he looked like a bull in a china shop. He looked like anything that was in his path, he was going to destroy. And this year, mm-hmm. he's he trained on the poly track yesterday on the training track, and he looked fine. He was on the grass this morning. He looked okay. But but to win a $5 million race, you got to look better than okay to me. And I, I'm going to take a stand against Lord North here. Yeah, I think he's second currently in the, the betting line. The, the field is headlined by Schnellmeister, who was second in the Group 1 Mile Championship at Hanshin to Grand Allegria, who is a multiple Group 1 victors who actually managed to beat Triple Crown winner Almond I herself. So I guess he's the host that is right now uh, catching everyone's attention, I'm assuming, up there. Cool horse. Really, really cool horse. Trains really well on the on the dirt, to be honest with you. I'd, I, I wouldn't mind seeing him uh, give a go at it. He ran once and he won once. I mean, he, he's never run on the dirt. I think that uh, I would like to see him run it. I don't think he ever will run on it. But uh, he's actually had a, he's a German bred. You don't see a lot of German bred Japanese horses, but he is a uh, a German bred, and he Vikingman. is <laughs> he is uh, a very very nice horse. I really like this mm-hmm. horse. Um, he's gonna be my top pick. Uh, the, ironically enough, the Japanese actually think that uh, the eleven horse Pantalassa is their best shot of the whole card. Um, so they actually think that he, maybe he's a little bit better than Snellmeister. I think Snellmeister, especially with Christoph Lemaire, the, the hot riding jockey here, um, he's won this race before with uh, Amanai. I, I just think um, Snellmeister is is the horse to beat. But obviously, you got to give a long look to Pantalisa as well. Um, both of them, though, seem like they, they should be running on late through cover. And I, I think they should be the fastest closers in the race. So certainly got to give them kind of a heads up. And, uh, and the other ho- couple horses I mentioned here, um, the other John and Thaddy Gazin horse, Herovian, uh, maybe comes in a little bit under the radar, but he was second behind Pile Driver in Hong Kong. He was fourth behind Authority uh, in the prep in Saudi as he kind of took uh, the place of Lord North going over there to the Saudi race. And mm-hmm. and I think that he is maybe the better of the two, kind of coming in under the radar and shouldn't be. He's a horse that is going to run a really, really big race for connections. Uh, John Gosden himself is here. He wasn't here last year uh, when Mishriff and Lord North won. Uh, so I think maybe Haravian can can pick up a, a big piece here at a little bit of a price. And I think we have to talk about Colonel Liam, right? Obviously, the, mention, the, American, yeah. <laughs> the American in the field. There's never been an American... Uh, horse to win the Dubai turf, but Colonel Liam is a, a little bit of a, a of a rarity, right? He's won back-to-back runnings of the Pegasus turf. That prep race could not have gone any better. Now, look, the form from the Pegasus turf has not really been seen through. There's been a couple of horses run back and run back poorly, uh, including mm-hmm. Never Surprised for Todd Pletcher, who was kind of the pace setter on that day. Uh, but he loves it here. He's blossoming. He, I mean... Uh, Amelia Green, the exercise rider, assistant trainer for Todd Pletcher, she told me this is an exercise rider's dream. You can do whatever you want with this horse. He 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 trains with his neck bowed down, and he I mean, just a pretty gray horse. He would be a beautiful dressage horse if they ever kind of wanted to go that route. I think he has other plans in his future, but uh, you know, I, I like the fact that they're coming out here. Todd Pletcher obviously has run dirt races here before, maybe not so much. Uh, a lot of success on the turf and you know to do this it's it's a good time of the year to try it and uh and certainly Irad Ortiz has had a lot of success about this horse he's won their last four starts together yeah and I, I thought it was quite an impressive training performance from Todd Pletcher to bring him back after such a long 230 
38 days, I think it was, to come back the way he did. Now, perhaps the field obviously wasn't as strong as what he'll face today for certain, but it was a tremendous sort of return to racing action. And of course, depending on how he likes to track here, I'd love for him to do well, but my instincts do tell me that, as you highlighted some of the European contenders as well as the Japanese are going to be very, very tough in this uh, $5 million renewal of the Dubai turf. We haven't mentioned the William Haggis runner yet, though. Jim Crowley takes the ride on Mo Hafet, who was last seen uh, in York, the Jotman International, where he ran fourth behind Mishrift. Just kind of a little bit keen in the early stages. What do you make of him? Oh, well, I, I mean, talk about a funny guy. I'd never met him before. William Haggis might be one of the funniest <laughs> uh, people I've ever met in my life. I mean... The, the things he was saying, if you get a chance to watch the interviews uh, that will be posted online here over the next few days of some of the things that he said, uh, both about Grocer Jack, his horses, um, the impending nuptials of Tom Marcan, who just got married to Holly Doyle, and Tom's going to ride out most of the horses here for him. Um, I'm not sure we can say them on this podcast, but uh, if they do make the air, he was a very, very funny guy. Um, look, he oh, come thinks- on, you have to tell us now, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> There's some things with Mofith that um, they feel like they corrected after the last race, and they think that he's okay. come on from it and and training really, really well. He's a son of Frankel out of a Sea the Stars mare. I mean, pedigree, uh, beyond pedigree. Uh, today is the one-year anniversary, actually, of uh, the founder of Shadwell Stables, Sheikh Hamdan uh, al-Maktoum, passing away, and it was it was a somber somber time last year. Uh, the, it kind yeah. of it kind of put a little bit of a you know a, a, a quietness on on last year's kind of World Cup. We weren't even sure. I remember we were here last year. We were talking about you know are we going to postpone this or, or what's going to happen? And and the meet went yeah. on, but it was it, it there wasn't a, a festive atmosphere to it um, because the you know the thoughts of Sheikh Hamdan were with everybody. This is somebody uh, obviously. Besides being the older brother uh, to Sheikh Mohammed Al Maktoum, the the ruler of the you know Dubai and the vice president of ministry, it, it's one of those things where Sheikh Hamdan was such a nice person and was such a people person and loved uh, his horses with such ferocity. Um, Kieran McLaughlin, who everybody in America knows, was a train for him. He lived here for him, uh, was the main trainer. Obviously they famously had Invasor among so many, you know, countless other horses. And, and, yeah. and you know, would anytime you'd ask Kieran to tell you a story about Sheikh Hamdan, you'd hear these, these glowing stories. And, you know, I mean, he was almost like a father figure to Kieran, um, and really, really looked out for him. And so, you know, if, if on the anniversary of, of that passing, uh, Mo Faith can win for, for his daughter, Sheikh Hessa and, uh, you know, the rest of the family, I think his one of his sons was actually here Super Saturday. So, you know, good to see that the Shadwell kind of legacy is going to remain uh, intact. And that those, you know, blue silks with the white chevrons have been a staple of so many uh, big races on the international scene over years. And uh, I do think he's a horse with a chance because William Haggis is very, very uh, keen on him for sure. I, I think he's a horse with a chance. Of course, we're, we're seeing him make his four-year-old debut. Uh, had quite a decent campaign, I thought, as, as a three-year-old. Uh, obviously, that last race, as I just mentioned. But uh, yeah, you mentioned Invasor. Was it 2007 Dubai World Cup winner, right? For Kieran McLaughlin, uh, Fernando Jara, Jara aboard. So yeah, it would be quite something uh, to have this horse come in, in his colors. Because I do remember 
last year that indeed, you know, uh, things were on the balance. We weren't sure what was going on. It was a little bit of a damper, but we ended up uh, moving along. So just to sum up the Dubai turf field for you here, you're going to go with your current 5-2 favorite in Schnell. Meister then with Christophe Lemaire. I must admit that I landed on him as well. And uh, this sounds kind of weird. Like I, I've been a bit on and off with Lord North. So you saying that he hasn't looked as good kind of confirmed for me that I'm I'm not going to go with him uh, uh, to defend his crown here. Very good. <laughs> All right, race. Uh, well, penultimate race here uh, is the Longines Dubai Shima Classic over mile four. Furlongs, of course, in meters, uh, 24, 10 meters, 12 furlongs on the turf, 6 million US dollars uh, in here. And uh, let's just start again with looking at the, the betting first. Uh, Yibir, of course, your trainee, Charlie Appleby uh, and William Buick, uh, Breeders' Cup turf winner last seen there. That was, of course, a third consecutive win in a row for this uh, global trotting uh, chestnut gelding. How's he come over to Dubai? Which one was that? Yibir, the number 14. <laughs> so, uh, y- Yibir is um, quirky in the words of uh, trainer Charlie Appleby. Now, we had no idea. I mean, he spent plenty of time in America last year and, and certainly made, made our horses look, uh, look slow. I mean, he was uh, a, a much the best winner at, at Belmont in October and then uh, took on the older horses in the Breeders' Cup uh, turf and... Uh, didn't have the best of trips and was when he got that running room, he just kind of uh, boiled out and ran on and was, uh, was an impressive winner, kind of a, a cherry on the top of what was uh, Charlie Appleby's weekend. But uh, Charlie says he's very, very difficult. And so he kept him in England with creative forces. They just got here last week. So they're almost like the American horses where they just kind of, they, they, they arrived just a week out. Uh, he's been very much in the, in the yard of Charlie, uh, in the Godolphin stables. So we haven't got a chance mm-hmm. to, to see him train at all. Um, the thing that Charlie has said, and William Buick has said, William checked on him a few times in England. Charlie obviously goes back and forth. They said, look, he's a typical Debowie in the fact of how he's grown and filled out from three to four. They think that the Debowies are better with age and they think that he fits that mold. Um, but there is, uh, not, I don't want to say the word skepticism, but concern, I think, would be the right word that Charlie thinks as he makes his four-year debut off the freshening that Yabir might just do what Yabir does sometimes, and that's just kind of run off and, and, and be a little bit uncontrollable, whether that be in the post parade or in the race, and, and, and not run his race. So he's a horse that he has six wins from 12 starts, but he has three efforts that he didn't hit the board and was nowhere to be found. And Charlie's concerned that that could be one of these races. He, he can win. He's a must use on a multi-race ticket, but if you wanted to take a shot to beat him here, there's writing on the wall that he is a beatable horse. Yeah, I definitely remember that he's raced a bit all over the place uh, last year during the summer. I think at Goodwood when he finished six, he was kind of, you know, he kind of does what he likes to do. But then he seemed so professional when I saw him at the Breeders' Cup in Del Mar that he kind of, you know, he he looked like he was doing everything exactly how they wanted him to do. So I thought that he might have just, you know, matured a little bit and grown out of it. So very interesting to hear that perhaps he's not completely over his old uh, quirks as of yet. My, my eye was caught by authority, the, the number one 
drawn in gate number two, I do believe. He went to the lead in the Neom Turf Cup and Riyadh last time out, which was quite unusual for him. Like he's a bit more of a, a closer normally. So I thought it was really interesting that Christophe Lemaire was very aggressive on him there. Of course, it's also the reason possibly that he won four races on the day with his riding. But if you look at authority, he was, I think he was second behind Contrail and in, in, in front of Sharjah in one of his other races. So certainly has been able to hold up his own form when coming over from Japan. And has made a good appearance on the track this week. He's looked he's looked very well in, in everything that he, he did. He had a little blowout down the lane on the grass course on Wednesday and really caught my eye. I mean, the last horse to give me goosebumps over here was Aminai when she blew out on the lane. So mm-hmm. it wasn't quite an Aminai-like performance, but was 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 impressive nonetheless. I mean, has a really, really nice turn of foot, uh, does things the right way, and, and, and will be very tough in here with a, with a good pose. I, I, I think certainly um, should work out a good trip with Christophe Lemaire. I don't think necessarily um, needs the lead, but there's not a ton of early speed in here. So I, I could see him kind of closer rather than being further behind. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's a horse that necessarily goes to the lead and has to have it. I think it was more that uh, in Riyadh, Christophe Lemaire just spotted a chance and took it. And I thought it was quite telling of authority that he was able to win from the front when normally he's kind of been a bit more of a sort of mid-pack or come from behind runner Uh, but he but I I think that means that if there is no pace he can at least try impressive if needed who who do you think will want to really go to lead here in in the Shima Classic well I mean look I the question the question for for all of this and and I'm gonna take a little bit of a, a of a stand here because I really do um, believe in this horse and, and, and is going to be my, my top pick. And it, it's the number seven pile driver who's going to break from the inside post uh, of post one. Uh, his regular jockey, Martin Dwyer, actually was involved in a spill last Friday. So um, kind of forced to miss. And it, it, reading the tea leaves, it, it kind of felt like Martin wanted to ride. And uh, trainer Will Maher was so upset with the last race that he wasn't upset about making a change in rider. Um, and he picks up the services of Frankie Latore, who certainly knows this made down turf course better than anybody. Pile driver for a while last year in the international circuit was regarded as the best horse in the world. And that wasn't taken lightly. He was a horse as a, as a young horse that really couldn't uh couldn't get sold they try to sell him nobody even wanted him he was like uh you know orphan annie or whatever like and just he got better and better and better and if you watch some of his races in hong kong how impressive they were he's a a really cool horse i i finally got it i've been wanting to watch him train all week and i didn't get a chance to see him i finally saw him today and he's like silky smooth he's got a lovely way of going uh they can't figure out what the heck happened last time? We talked about yeah. the, the the win with authority making the lead. Well, he just he stopped. He got beat twelve lengths. Uh, they scoped him afterwards. He scoped fine. Um, they did a physical exams, lameness exams. They could not find anything wrong with him whatsoever. Um, and they're just gonna they're just gonna kind of draw a line through it. And I, I'm gonna tend to do the same. Where this is a horse and pile driver who earlier in the year would probably have been the 
you know, two to one favorite. And now, I mean, what are the, the odds you're, you're seeing on him right now? I mean, right now he's actually dropped quite down 16 to one. Yeah. Definitely courtesy of the fact that he was joined favorite in Saudi and just didn't deliver. Yeah, no, I mean like 16 to one is a, is a crazy price on a horse who, like I said, if you get rid of that one race, I mean, he, he's beaten, you know, a length by glory Vaz uh, in, in Hong Kong. He won the two races before that. He, he's a really ultra talented horse. And I do like the, uh, the riding assignment going to Frankie Dettori because I didn't really think it was a good ride last time uh, for Martin Dwyer. So uh, Pile Driver 16 to 1 is going to be my, my top selection here uh, to upset Yeburn. I think he's certainly part of the pace. And, and, and then you have the wild card in this race here who also could make the lead. Uh, and that's Alan Core. We talked about his race against Lord North last time. Look, yeah. I watched that race. It was actually on the same day as the races in Saudi. Uh, so it wasn't a timing thing why Lord North didn't make the race in Saudi. They just wanted to stay home. And it was a small field. It was seven horses, but it was really only supposed to be a one-horse race. I'm watching the race to watch Lord North and just see how much he wins by in this, you know, kind of handwritten uh, prep race like uh, we've we've tend to see in America sometimes for uh, people like Bob Baffert. And... Uh, you're watching the race and you're sitting there and you say, he's not going to get there. And you're like, all right, well, he ran a good second. You know, well, who's this horse that beat him? I never heard of him, whatever. Okay, fine. And then you go back and you're like, wait a second. Lord North was making a little run and Alan Core rebroke. And, and he won with such ease that to me, I, I was like, maybe this horse is okay. And all of a sudden you see this race – William Haggis has Alan Core and Dubai Honor. Dubai Honor was fourth in a Group One last time behind Loves Only You. Loves Only You, of course, won the Breeders' Cup Philly Mare Turf uh, earlier this year or last year in, in the Breeders' Cup. And Tom Marquand obviously had a choice of who he wanted to ride. He chooses to ride Alan Core over Dubai Honor, and so I got to give Alan Core a long, long look in here uh, that maybe he's just getting good at the right time. I mean, I feel like the Dubai Shima Classic has always been a terrifically deep race, but this year seemingly more than ever, because we just mentioned Alan Kaur, but I have to also mention Glory Vaz, who also ties in with that loves only you form, as well as uh, winning last time out in Hong Kong. He seems to be doing great as well. Another Japanese chance in here, making his local debut, or actually his debut for this year now with seven-year-old, but he won the Hong Kong Vaz over the aforementioned pile driver. So this, it seems like there's so many ways to go in here. Yeah. I, I, the, the concern with glory Vaz is I don't think there's a lot of speed in this race. And on this track, if you don't trip out, I, I can see glory Vaz flying late and picking up the underneath stuff, but man, he's, I, I, I just have a tendency to feel like Christoph might just leave him a little too much to do. He's not a, a normal ride for Christoph. Uh, he picked mm -hmm. him up because he is Jap Japan's best rider. Um, but if you don't know this this horse, could be a little tricky to ride, maybe. And I just I'm afraid he might just kind of give him a little too much to do. That's why I'm I'm taking a little stand against Glory Vaz, although obviously the talent is there. Yeah, no, I I, I definitely agree with that there. That that's why I was wondering where is the pace really go, gonna come from, and that's why I'm hoping that perhaps my top choice here, Authority, could either sit close or, or do something uh, from there. But let's finish. Uh, let's finish things off here and 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 go to the feature race. Uh, I think it's it's long overdue that we uh, hopefully predict 
the outcome of the 2022 Dubai World Cup in here. 12 million US dollars, 2,000 meters on the dirt mile and a quarter for the Americans here. And look, betting headline, of course, dictated by the American contingent in here. I mean, this is this is going to be, I think it's going to be a terrific race, but of course, Everyone is going to be looking at life is good to back up that incredibly impressive Pegasus World Cup performance. Well, this is either the coronation or the execution, right? I yeah. mean, yeah. I, I don't want to say it so bluntly, but that's really what it is. I mean, life is good, does things that other horses can't dream of doing. Um, talking to, I talked to Simon Bray, who's out here covering the race for TVG. He said, I, I saw life is good breeze for the very first time. And, you know, he was at that time. He was with trainer Bob Baffert. And uh, he goes, you watch that first region. Like, what is this? And, and it's just kind of seemingly continued on and on like that. Um, he was ironically, if he doesn't get hurt and need the ankle surgery, uh, maybe nobody ever hears of Medina spirit. Maybe he doesn't go to the Derby. Uh, maybe Bob Baffert wins the Derby anyway with life is good. And it's a whole non-starter. Um, before this whole kind of mess opened up. I mean, life is good was brilliant from the beginning. He, he did nothing wrong, uh, had the ankle surgery, went to the farm. I remember talking to farm manager. Uh, he does all the training down there. Destin Heathen, uh, Destin does a, a, a wonderful job. I mean, he, even six months ago, he had life is good on the farm. He had Colonel Liam on the farm. He had country grammar on the farm and all three of them are, are here running for, you know, so much money. So, I mean, you talk about mm -hmm. a guy that, you know, knows how to rehab horses and bring them back. And and, and Destin got a chance to kind of, they weren't sure where life is good was going to go. Were they going to send them, you know, back to Bob? Was he going to go to another trainer? And and Destin's breezing him at Keeneland. And, and I'm on the phone with him one day and we're just kind of joking. Nashville was there at the time too, the really fast Steve Asmussen horse. And, and he goes, you know, I'm pretty sure if I ever asked life is good to run, uh, I think he can breeze a quarter in 19 seconds flat. And we're like, we're like kind of joking and we're like, yeah, you know, ha ha, whatever. And, and they, they like to send the horse to Todd Pletcher. So I got to watch the horse train all summer at Saratoga and he went out in the first set every day. Uh, and Amelia green, the, the exercise rider to the stars assistant. She, she does a remarkable job. And, you kind of start watching him train and when he trains, he, he, he starts out easy and he gets aggressive and he gets tough and, and he just kind of, he wants to go and, you know, Amelia's got to kind of, you know, play that game with him of give him his head and, and have him come back. He does, you know, Todd putting the drawings on him, I think really helped kind of focus him and keep him balanced and, and everything else. And then you watch him breeze. And when he works, you're like, Wow. I mean, even on, on XBTV, they do a great job, and you can go back and watch some of his breezes before he came out here to the mm -hmm. Dubai World Cup. And you're just – I mean, it's it's effortlessly. His gallop outs are better than his breeze, and he's breezing, I mean, bullet times anyway. I mean, he is a remarkable horse. And from a specimen standpoint, it, it is probably the best-looking son of Into Mischief I've ever seen. And, and you're talking about Into Mischief, who's probably one of the top – two or three, if not best sire uh, in America right now. And and he is a picture. I mean, you, he, he's a photographer's dream. Uh, the photos that have been taken of him all week long are, are fitting. Oh, he looks amazing. It, it, I've seen them pop up and I was like, this horse is looking even better than when I saw him 
at Gulfstream where he looked like a tank. Yeah, and 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 it's one of those things where he has sprinter speed and can see you know show it around the ground. Uh, there's very few horses that break out of the gate better than him. So being in post one, you know, hopefully isn't a, a detriment if he if he plays the break like he he normally does. And you sit there and you go, okay, is this Dubai Millennium? Is this Arrogate? Is this Cigar? It, like what what is this horse? And and, yeah. and I've been saying all week long that there's only one horse that can beat life is good. And that's life is good. And, and, and what I mean by that is there's only two chinks in life is good armor so far from the, from the seven starts that he's had. So the one race that he lost, and albeit it was a neck defeat and might've gone down as the race of the year when he got beat by Jackie's warrior uh, off the layoff in the, in the HL and Jerkins going seven furlongs at Saratoga. He wasn't able to make the lead. He battled every step of the way. And Mm -hmm. Jackie's warrior, who was in form, was able to hold him off at the wire. Now, look, that was a stepping stone. Uh, All the credit in the world to both the Windstar camp, China Horse camp, and and trainer Todd Pletcher because their plan all along, and, and it's so rare that you see this, where it was Alan Jerkins, it was moving forward from the Alan Jerkins into the 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 race at Belmont the that was the mile race kind of the the perfect prep into the Godolphin Mile I mean not the Godolphin Mile I'm sorry the Breeders Cup Dirt Mile into the Pegasus and then into the Dubai World Cup this is this has been their plan that they drew up the first day he came into the barn so the fact that he's hit every one of those cylinders and done it with a plum all the credit in the world goes to the team and not just the the main people we talked about, but I mean, you talk about, uh, you know, the job that Amelia's done getting on him. Uh, Juan, who's out here, who's the foreman, who's with him every day. Uh, Martin, the groom, who's been with Todd for 20 years, has the first horses next to his office every time, has has rubbed so many grade one uh, champion horses, it's not even funny. Um, So they all deserve all the credit to get life is good to this moment. But in the races, life is good has a tendency to get out. And nobody knows why he did it with Bob Baffert. You know, you said, well, maybe it was the ankle, right? He had the ankle surgery. Mm-hmm. He's come back. He's done it again. And he's won so easy that nobody mentions it. When he won in the Pegasus, you, you were there, Naomi. Everyone said, wow, look at this coronation. He, he, he outfooted Nick's go. Nick's go never looked like a winner. Life is good. Yeah. Never looked like a loser. He was much the best. But you know what? When you watch the replay, Life is good ends up in the seven path. I know on the backside, but I actually asked Ivette Ortiz about that because it kind of looked like he allowed him to move out. And he said that he'd rather have someone come up on the inside so he can kind of cut into them into the corner, which I thought was really interesting. It, it is interesting, but it's also spoken like a jockey who just got suspended for 30 days, right? So I can come back and get him in the corner. <laughs> Look, I, I, I think... It's 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 all fun and games until it's not. And you've been here before, Naomi, but for some of the listeners that don't know kind of what made Don is, I, I always kind of joke that Dubai is New York on steroids, right? It's this pumped up crazy place with these big, beautiful buildings and everything is bigger and better than it needs to be. The Maidan facility 
it, you can't compare it to any American track. It's it's gigantic. It's enormous. Mm-hmm. It's a two mile walk for the horses that go to the barn. Now, obviously, on race day, they're going to get actually get vanned over to the receiving barn. But when they're vanned over to the receiving barn, they then they're in there for forty five minutes. There's a twelve minute walk through some tunnels and and lanes to get to the saddling enclosure. You get saddled up. Then you're walking out again into the walking ring. So there's a lot to kind of to overcome. Now, he was perfect in the schooling session. Todd Pletcher actually blew off going to the post-position draw and the nice dinner. It was a beautiful event at the Dubai Opera House to oversee the paddock schooling because it was such an important thing to make sure. And he handled it all well. Everything was good. Mm -hmm. But on race day, and you saw this at Gulfstream, he gets a tendency to get a little bit pumped up he gets a little bit into the bridle uh even when he's walking around kind of strutting and stuff and, and so now all this stuff kind of adds up it adds up okay now how is he going to be in the post parade how is he going to be when he gets to the gate how is he going to be standing in the gate the longest in an 11 horse field is he going to break well and then once he breaks well the dynamics of the race will dictate is he going to be in front by three or four is he going to be challenged? Because there's a lot of speed in this race. He can certainly be challenged. And then when he turns for home, not only does he have to encounter everything else going on with the horses, he has to encounter the huge crowd, the huge stretch, and the giant TV screen that he's never seen before in the afternoon underneath the lights because this race is going to be run at 8.30 at night, our time in Dubai. So there's a lot of unknown factors here. Again, life is good. We talked about this. He does things that nobody else can do. Okay. He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's, he's the old saying, he's one of one. There's nobody else that's like life is good, but he's going to have to overcome everything to win. And if he wins, it's going to be a surprise to nobody and we will anoint him the greatest. But can he get beat? Yes, because of those other factors. All right. So let's talk, talk through the field. Who do you think most likely could beat life is good? If life is good, gets in his own way. So last year, we talked about the reason why we picked Zenden at 50 to 1, right? There was mm-hmm. a thing about Zenden that every day throughout the course of the week, he got bigger, stronger, faster. Your coat changes. It ripples. It's, 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 it's almost like a, a synthesis of, of seeing a caterpillar turn into a butterfly before our eyes. It, it happened with Mind Your Biscuits. It happened with a horse like Pluske Parfou, who's never replicated that race, but it, he won the UAA Derby on the night at a price. Hot Rod Charlie fits that mold. Now, look, he's been here since January 19th by design. He, he, he yeah. prepped here, and, and, and the prep was perfect in, in Maktoum Challenge round two. They did that. They ran him a little bit earlier than horses like Curlin and California Chrome, who, who have done the same route to, to victory in the World Cup before because they wanted to give him a little bit more time. Hot Rod Charlie looks unbelievable. As good as life is good looks, Hot Rod Charlie might look equally as good, and I've seen this horse as a two-year-old where it was kind of a gangly little thing at 96 to one running second in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile to, to mm-hmm. the Derby and the Belmont Stakes last year, in the Breeders' Cup to where he looked better, but he was still kind of very much uh, an immature three-year-old, still kind of just running and loving what he does to now as a four-year-old, he's all, he's all man. He's all cult. Uh, he's all stallion. He is unbelievable he's sitting on the race of his life he needs the pony to take him out to track work every day because he's on his toes he is just training lights out leandra mora uh who's overseeing the operation for trainer doug o'neill since january has gotten this horse 
prepared so, so perfectly well. He's been galloping two miles a day uh, every other day just because Leandro says, I can't get this horse tired, and i got to do a little something to, to, to keep him to keep him like happy and entertained. And he comes off the track after two-mile gallop like it's nothing, like he went you know, for a, a jog to the local bodega. Like It's, it's, it's scary how good this horse is doing. Uh, Antonio Frezu, who's not going to ride him in the race, obviously Flavian Pratt, uh, is going to ride Charlie and, and elects to ride him over uh, Country Grammar, who is second in Saudi. Antonio Frezu's breezed him the last four times. And Antonio, who's going to be the leading rider here, said, I've never breezed a horse like this in my life. He is so strong and so powerful and does things with such ease. He goes, it's such a joy. I look forward to getting on him. Uh, and that includes last Saturday when he had his final w- little blowout down the lane. And he, he said he just... He does it effortlessly, and he goes. He loves this track. He he gets over it so well. Uh, even William Buick, who uh, who won on him uh, in the prep race in Mactum Challenge round two, he goes. Listen, if Flavian wants to ride anybody else, he said, "I'll tell everybody I have to ride Hot Rod Charlie." I I, I don't care about my <laughs> commitments to everybody now. Who knows if that would actually you know be allowed with Godolphin? But at the end of the right, day, the right. fact that he was saying that with such uh, exuberance and enthusiasm, and I mean the prep race was just awesome. I mean it it looked like if you design the play it could not have gone any better than that he got a little challenge from Alan food when set down by william buick just went about his business and and, and drew off and, and it's ironic that everybody fell in love with hot rod charlie off a loss when he ran so well to admirably run second uh behind essential quality in the belmont stakes uh, that maybe everything Ding comes... dong battle down the to the wire i remember yeah and, and so what a race you have a horse who obviously doesn't mind looking another horse in the eye and life is good the one time that happened to him was the woody stevens and he said he said uncle now i mean look he lost by a neck it was a great race but he did that was the only time he was really battle tested every other time life is good as ever run he's so brilliantly fast that he's in front by so much that he doesn't have any mm-hmm. competition so yeah. you know if this happens where life is good and Chuck, as his owners like to call him, right, Hot Rod Charlie, uh, hook up down the lane. I think this can be just an absolute battle for the ages, and I think Hot Rod Charlie can pull off the upset. I mean, I love Hot Rod Charlie. I was on him in the Kentucky Derby. He ran a very gallant third beaten by a length that day, and then I I watched him fight it out with essential quality uh, in the Belmont Stakes. It was one time I took a day off to go up to New York to actually <laughs> be a fan. So I remember it very fondly. But even just looking from a, let's say, a speed figure point of view, Hotward Charlie ran a, a career best 111 buyer in the PA Derby. And that is one point higher than Life is Good's top number of 110, which he ran in the Pegasus World Cup Invitational. Now, I know that they're so close, but if you're looking at the fact that this horse has been prepping in Dubai for such a prolonged period of time, that could even give him a little bit more of an edge. Now, of course, Life is Good, of course, everyone is teeing him up to be the next big thing, but I do love the possibility of a battle between these two. Yeah, no, I, 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 I can't wait. Look, it's going to be a great card, and and you know we'll be on the air starting at two o'clock in, in the afternoon. But it, it's one of these things where, I mean, the electricity that's going to be there 
to, not only because everybody wants to see Life is Good, but but Hot Rod Charlie has become kind of a, a fan favorite. We're gonna we're expecting sixty thousand fans now that um, you know fans are allowed back in the the facility. Last year there was uh, no fans, just invitation only. So I, I think the place is gonna be buzzing, and I cannot wait for the Dubai World Cup. Let's move on to a couple of the other runners in there. Uh, let's go to Country Grammar, who ran very very strong second in the Saudi cup he's been truly flourishing ever since he's arrived on the west coast Uh, i remember that he was very comfortable as well in saudi training out there Uh, how does he strike you doing uh, how how has he been this week i mean he's trained he's he's trained he's trained well enough and look bob baffert's won this race several times before not just uh with arrogate but horses like captain steve as well and silver charm and I, i i think They've said all along that the further, the better for country grammar. And he's a son of tonalist, so that doesn't really surprise people, right? But Mm -hmm. they thought that the one-turn mile and an eighth last time in Saudi was the the perfect prep. And and, and Jimmy Jimmy Barnes, Bob's longtime assistant, kind of um, jokingly said at the post-position draw, he said, uh, we're the first people to ever use a $20 million race as a prep. But that's what it was. And I mean, to come off a 247 day layoff and uh, win a winning, you know, run a winning race and a $20 million race. I mean, all the credit in the world uh, goes to goes to that that barn to have him prepared for that race. We're we're sitting here saying you got to bounce to the moon, right? You, it, it's not practical not to, to regress off of that effort. Um, they don't think so. They, they think that he's come over. He hasn't lost any weight. He, he's trained forwardly. Um, I don't know how much he loves, loves this track. He seems to handle it okay. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't travel over the track as well as Life is Good and, and Hot Rod Charlie do. So to me, I I, I don't think he's he's a likely winner. I, I think he's he's maybe more underneath than, than those others. Okay. Well, that, that's that's definitely good to keep in mind. I thought I thought he did well. In Saudi, like you mentioned, of course, of course, of the American runners in the Saudi Cup, he ran second, was the highest place when we did have a couple of runners that, you know, didn't really find their footing, so to speak. Now, one other American contender coming out of that Saudi Cup is Midnight Bourbon, ran a gallant third on the day. I remember, uh, of course, trained by Hall of Famer Steve Asmussen. Scott Blasey was overseeing his prep. You already mentioned Scott as a set to arrive tomorrow. He said Friday, right? That he might be coming out there. I remember him Hopefully. talking about... Hopefully. Otherwise, I don't know. Maybe I got to sell the horse. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I remember speaking with him about Midnight Bourbon and, and about how, you know, how his progression has gone so far. And he was quite bullish saying that Midnight Bourbon is seemingly becoming sort of better with every start and better now as a four-year-old than he was as a three-year-old. So Midnight Bourbon is interesting. Look, I have all the respect in the world for Steve Asmussen, Scott Blasi. I mean, he's won more than 9,000 races. I've won like 49. So like he's got me by a barrel, right? <laughs> but they, they swear that this horse is – one of these days is going to put it all together. And mm-hmm. – I was down uh, for the LeCompte at Fairgrounds two races back, and so I, I saw him take on Mandaloon uh, back in January, and they battled all the way to the wire, and uh, Midnight Bourbon, as always was the case, said, okay, you go ahead and take your picture, but I had a good run. Um, he's different. He's he's probably put on uh, between 50 and 100 pounds since that race, and 
I mean, he looks really, really, really good. Uh, I'm, I couldn't be any happier with how he looks coming into this race. Uh, he's trained well, kind of taking it easy this week. Uh, obviously, the Steve Asmussen horses, the week of the race, they're not, you know, super, you know, galloping strong and stuff like that. He, they, they, they prepare them kind of to a plan. But Midnight Bourbon has been um, kind of lightly galloping uh, uh, along, which I thought was a little bit interesting. But, man, he looks he looks sensational. He looks well. And, and, and that, yeah, but horse, uh, sometimes they come and get you and they, 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 they win. And you say, yeah, I guess I kind of, I, I kind of saw that coming. Yeah. He, he's, he's a nice horse. Uh, is this going to be the day? Sure. It's, it's certainly possible. Uh, Steve Asmussen staying home because the, today it's Saturday is the day for echo Zulu. So it, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's interesting to see, that he stayed home for Epicenter and Echo Zulu and didn't come out here, despite the fact of how much he loves Midnight Bourbon. And Joel Rosario kind of had the choice. Do you want to come out and ride Midnight Bourbon or do you want to ride Echo Zulu? And, you know, he stayed in fairgrounds in Louisiana. Certainly a, 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 a more than a capable backup in Jose Ortiz, you know, getting the call over here. And Steve Asperson, you know, could have called up hundreds of people he 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 thinks that jose ortiz is going to fit this horse uh this was his plan all along was to get jose ortiz uh if joel couldn't ride so um it's very interesting obviously he's won here before jose ortiz was aboard cold front um to win the godolphin mile a few years ago for todd pletcher so he knows uh the lay of the land him and his brother uh louis Saez and flavin they're all on their way out here right now they should arrive um either tonight probably tonight they should be here um, so we'll probably see them at track work tomorrow morning. Um, yeah, can Midnight Bourbon win this race? Absolutely. He's he's truly a, a, a remarkable horse. You know, somebody told me this morning, they go, ah, that Midnight Bourbon, he's so overrated. I said, how is he overrated? 13 <laughs> of his 15 starts, he's hit the board. And he's yeah. gotten beat by the who's who of American racing along the way. There's no harm at all in running second behind Mandaloon, third mm-hmm. behind Maxfield, second behind Hot Rod Charlie, second behind Essential Quality. He shows up every time. He'll be a part of this race, and we know that the mile and a quarter will not be a problem for him as well. So uh, definitely a horse that I think is one, two, three. Um, in which order at your own peril? I, I do think that he's probably third best, be- and only because the other two American horses are so strong. Yeah, Midnight Bourbon, to me, he'd have to really jump up and put it all together when he does seemingly like to run second or third a little bit more often than the others do. And it's not like he's up against a softer field. He's up against, you know, arguably the horse that is set to be crowned, perhaps, you know, the best in the US and life is good. So he's going to really have to make it happen. But look, he's like you said, he tries every single time and he runs a good race every single time and you got to give the team credit for that talking about the uh, ortiz brothers i do believe irad ortiz just tweeted a picture of the view uh, from the maidan hotel so i think that they might have they might have uh, arrived uh, as well so it's very exciting to of course see the abundance of top american riders well, out there and 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 with irad and ortiz and and jose being on the plane together it cannot be taken lightly that they had a 13-hour plane ride to discuss strategy on the Dubai World Cup where, oh yeah, Midnight Bourbon breaks just one stall to the outside of Hot Rod Charlie and we saw what happened 
in the Pegasus when Jose Ortiz broke one stall outside of Nick's go. Yeah, Stiletto Boy actually outbroke Nick's go. Very interesting how that seems to happen on a horse who has no speed. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, do we have any other runners that you're particularly interested in this year's race? Yeah, I think, I think there's two horses that you'd be remiss that I mentioned. Uh, the first one would be hypothetical, kind of the local hope uh, for the, the Dubai. He's owned by the Crown Prince, Sheikh Hamdan, uh, trained by Salem Bengadeya, who's... Uh, a legally blind trainer, you know, you talk about what kind of a story would that be? Obviously ran second last year with Panadol in the UAE Derby. Uh, hypothetical is a really, really cool horse. First of all, he's a horse that is so mellow and so low key. And we're used to seeing horses from Solemn, like uh, uh, <laughs> horses that are just really, really strong and tough. Heavy metal is certainly a horse that, that, that comes to mind. Uh, Capizano is another one that was a total nut job. Um, Hypothetical is not that. Hypothetical is classy. He's laid back. Um, he seems to really, really like what he does. He's been a winner of uh, his last two races and seen him out the right way. And the thing that I thought was really, really cool about Hypothetical is you talk about body language. And it, it gets mixed sometimes with horses. People talk about their body language in the paddock. Obviously, you know, people do a great job. Uh, when you're in, in the prattles, obviously you do that all the time at Laurel, when you're seeing the body language of horses, how they're acting in the paddock before the race. What people don't talk about a lot is the body language during the race. And if you go back and watch the last race on Super Saturday, when Hypothetical wins uh, Maktoum Challenge round three, remorse is coming to him. And remorse is not as good a horse as him. So he was never in doubt. But Hypothetical crosses the wire, and both ears are pricked forward. And after the wire's over, he's got one up, one sideways, listening to jockey Mikel Barzalona. And, and I like that he won with something left in reserve. He wasn't all out. He was happy. He was enjoying what he was doing. And this is a horse who I do think is a proper group one horse. He is going to end up being a stallion. And, and, and I think he's going to be heard from in this race. He has speed. He can use that speed. I can see Mikel Barzalona trying to get him engaged early on uh, with Hot Rod Charlie, with Life is Good, with Midnight Bourbon and Country Grammar, mixing it up. And he, he deserves to be talked about with the American horses because he is as good as the American contingency and, and, and will certainly have something to say about the outcome. And look, it needs to be said, Mikel Barzalona, is supposed to be riding Magna Course. He's under contract with Godolphin to ride for first call for their French horses, who Magna Course yeah. is. And Magna Course was third uh, in the Dubai World Cup last year. So it's certainly not a horse that's like a, that's a, a no good horse. That being said, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we hear that he's scratched before Saturday, but we'll, we'll see what happens. But at, at the end of the day... Mikel Barzalona was able to get off of his riding assignment for Godolphin, for Sheikh Mohammed, to ride for Sheikh Mohammed's son, the crown prince, and stay aboard Hypothetical, who he's been aboard for all these starts locally. He rides for his call uh, for the crown prince and Salam bin Gedea when they can here in Maidan. I think that's huge that Mikel Barcelona was able to get off, and I think Mikel Barcelona really, really, really fits hypothetical well, and I think that he's a horse not without a chance and has the best chances of the locals. And then finally, you have to mention the number one horse, Arrow Trim. Uh, probably can't be one, two, three, but if you're playing Superfectors or even Trifectors, he's a horse that's just a cool 
hard-trying horse. He's Brazilian-bred, Uruguayan-trained. Antonio Sinter yeah. has done a great job with this horse. He ran a sneaky good race last time out in the Saudi Cup, getting up for fifth, and deserves to be in this race. And and, and certainly the pride of all of South America will, will be all eyes on Arrow Trem come Saturday. And certainly, um, you know, we'll be rooting alongside him, you know, see if he can pick up a nice little check. There's there's something to be said. Even if you run fifth, you get $360,000. That's a lot of money in Uruguay. I mean, Arrow Trem running fifth in the Saudi Cup, which huge for Team Sintra. I remember speaking with Antonio afterward, and he said it felt like a win for Uruguay, <laughs> just by, by virtue of you know, the horses that they bested into fifth. I know that a couple of uh, the American as well as European runners didn't run the race that we were expecting to see. Of course, Mishrif, you know, end up finishing last man. The Loon end up finishing nine. And Aerotram kind of sneakily coming in there was huge for them. And as you highlighted, Uruguayan trained. Really, they, they wanted to see how good he truly was. And I think he kind of showed his true colors there in the best possible light that perhaps he's not, you know, at the same level, but he was capable of really, really putting in, you know, that effort and, and, and running his heart out. He's 66 to one. I, I'm with you watching Aerotram maybe pick up a piece because that would be so wonderful. No, and there's something to be said that you can't take back about who you beat, right? He beat Mandaluni, beat Mishrif, you know, two of the best horses in the world. And I was kind of joking with Thaddy Gosden uh, earlier this week, uh, you know, we were talking about uh, the Breeders' Cup and Minor Biscuits ran against Roaring Lion, who's I mean, he was the Cartier winner. He was, you know, the best horse in the world at the time. And uh, I was like, man, you know, my horse ran so bad. And I was watching the race with your dad. And uh, he goes, your horse might have ran bad, but you could always say that you beat Roaring Lion because Roaring Lion was last. So there, there is something to be said about uh, about keeping up with your, uh, your competition and your, con- uh, your contemporaries for sure. Well, it's certainly like the Saudi Cup is one of those races that you kind of left scratching your head what kind of happened to some of those top line horses if it was the track or they just didn't turn up on the day it was what would what would your answer be to that like that's that's a it's it's a bit of a legitimate question isn't it well i I think the track was different this year than it's been in years past there's there's a new track maintenance man over there and it it was a much deeper uh heavier Mm -hmm. tiring track um I know some of the, the the American jockeys, you know, didn't really love that track, and uh, and yeah, that could be seen as an excuse for sure. Uh, as handicappers, people don't like excuses. They don't like when trainers make excuses. Um, uh-huh. Owners don't like when we make excuses. But we have the book. It's uh, it's it's when you take out your trainer's license, it's called you know two thousand excuses to make the owners right. You've heard them. You've heard them all. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> What what was the the one at Gulfstream yesterday? Uh, somebody ran over a goose or whatever it was. Okay, a kangaroo. I don't uh, know. Yeah, a, a goose. <laughs> no, I think it was a swan and a pelican. Right, a swan and a pelican. I, so you I, know, I, there was two on the track. That, I mean, but that was that, <laughs> that was in the appendix of the uh, the had you know excuses from a trainer lodge. So that was uh, that was a new one. But look, the thing yeah, about that, I hadn't heard that one before. The thing about Arrow Tram to run fifth in those conditions and and and. He's run at, at, at tracks in, in Uruguay and, and Maidan and stuff like that. You take your track with you. There's a saying about that, that yes, horses can lose because of a track. Horses can win because of a track. And then there's just horses that are just cool horses. And Arrow Tram fits that mold where it's just, 
whatever it is, Stafford Sinclair, we talked about earlier, kind of whatever it is, I'm just going to run and I'm going to compete and I'm going to have a good time. And, and, and that's what Aerotrim's doing. He, he still looks really, really good in the morning time. Uh, he, he's training at the six o'clock session and uh, he's, he does everything the right way. Regular jockey Wagner Leo actually sits on his back and gallops him out every morning, which is cool to see. And uh, look, I'm, I, I just, I, I think, it probably won't be enough to beat the top American horses, but this is what the Dubai World Cup was was founded by Sheikh Mohammed 26 years ago is all about. It's what it stands for. It's, yeah, we had Cigar the first year. The, the thing that legitimized the Dubai World Cup from the beginning was the best horse in the world was here 26 years ago when Cigar yeah. went to the desert and got the job done against some of the world's best. And now we fast forward to 26 years later. Do we have the world's best in Life is Good, Hot Rod Charlie, taking on the local best of Hypothetical, the South American best in, in Aerotram, the Japanese best in Chua Wizard, the, the German runner. So there's so many horses and, 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 and things. This is what Sheikh Mohammed's vision was. And it's so good to see that 26 years later, we're still here. We're still doing it. We're still competing it and, and, and facing it at the at the best level and it's the best level of competition cannot wait uh for saturday afternoon into saturday evening yeah i i can agree with you i mean cigar winning the 1995 british cup classic then going on to winning that inaugural dubai world cup that is what put this this incredible day of top class action on the map and then of course life is good british cup mile winner pegasus world cup winner coming into this race to truly hopefully be crowned uh, that elite, you know, thoroughbred across the globe. Now, if I have, if, if I'm putting a gun to your head, Chad, are you gonna go with Life Is Good to win this year's renewal? No, I'm gonna go with Howard Charlie. Ooh, all right, all right. I, I like it. I'm, I'm gonna. I, I mean, Life Is Good was so incredibly impressive at Gulfstream Park that I'm gonna stick with him here. But this is this is set to be one incredible race chat thank you so much for coming on uh, we've gone we've gone for uh, quite a bit here i hope we've picked a, a couple more winners again I, I i think it's safe to say that we have yes couldn't be more grateful for all the insight that chad provided very useful especially if you want to be playing the action at maiden or simply enjoy the storylines to follow we've given you a couple of price places for sure so fingers crossed that come Saturday afternoon and evening local time will be proven right here. But all in all, it's said to be one stellar renewal of Dubai World Cup Day. Good luck, everyone. <laughs>